This week on Invasion of the Podcast, man babies are scared of Captain Marvel. Does Alita Battle Angel take flight or crash land? And who will win the coveted 2019 Invadey? We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the of tension. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we try to take over the world one listener at a time. I am Paul, and to my left is Steve. Hello, everyone. I like how I say to my left, like people are like, left ear? Is that, is that, <laughs> is like, you're like, I'm in your left ear. I am in your right ear. And we'll just tell you to do bad things. I don't know. Which uh, would be weird if you only have like one earpiece in. Yeah, yeah you, <laughs> it's like, I, Steve is, he's, he sounds angry at somebody. I don't know who, like, he's like. Oh, so uh, this week I feel like I always never ever front sell what our main topic is because I'm like, yeah, we'll talk about our weekend. We're going to be talking about Alita Battle Angel, the film that came out this past weekend. Uh, it will be spoiler heavy. I will do the spoiler alert at that time. So if you guys are don't want the film spoiled because I feel like we're going to get into that. Like it's not it's not a film of like twists of like it was Earth the entire time because <laughs> yeah. it really was Earth the entire time. That's not spoiling anything. She was dead the entire yeah. movie. Yeah, right. Um, so. Uh, we'll we'll do all that. So, it, but it, it will be an interesting conversation because I feel like we have had um, some um, cinematic baggage to bring into this, and then we'll talk about the film and proper, and we'll we'll have some reactions. So it'll be fun. So before we get to that, uh, we have to have our required seven hour talk about our weekend, and then an, a, another multi hour talk about news. Uh, yeah. So my weekend, I'm not. I, the, the, I know I make the joke about seven hours, but all, all I did this weekend is I feel like I I don't know about you. But I feel like I've just been running like so hard recently that for me, like I just, my brain just kind of stopped and I just kind of did nothing. And I, I, um, played, uh, Spider-Man, which that game came out in October. And for anybody who knows me with video games, I love them. I play them. I don't always get to them in a timely manner. Um, so I finally dug into that. I know, I think I talked about a little bit last week. I finished it this weekend. Um, it's the, it's the Sony exclusive, um, from Insomniac games. Um, I'll say this, this game makes you feel like Spider-Man in in the best way possible where, you know, this whole city is erupting in violence and you're just one guy and you're just trying to go do one thing. And all of a sudden the cops are like, hey, there's an armored car loose. You're like, do do I, are they, they'll handle it. It's fine. I'm going to go like do this. Like, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, uh, the story was really good. Uh, I just, it, it was this cool thing where. It, it introduced villains as it went along. Like the main villain of the story was Mr. Negative, um, which I don't know how familiar you are with him or not. I guess that's a dance lot creation from like, you know, maybe around 10 years ago, but he's been, he's not a, he's not a, like, I guess in terms of being 10 years previously introduced, that makes him around for a while, but he's not what you would think of as like your canon Spider-Man villain. No, I don't, um, I have no idea who Mr. Negative is. He, he has the ability, he actually, when he goes, when he goes from being a regular person who is this nice guy who runs like this like uh, shelter and all this stuff, you know, like philanthropist, when he goes negative, he actually becomes like a photo negative type looking dude, and he can actually control people, but he actually kind of functions like brings out the worst in them, so they are compelled to do what he wants them to do, but they're just kind of like just rage 
like, but so he was the one of the main the main guys in this. So I thought that was kind of interesting that like you had not your typical like Green Goblin being the main you know you know antagonist, yeah. which Norman Osborn was in this. He was the mayor of New York, and he he's still an asshole, but. You never saw the Green Goblin, which was, you know, kind of it's kind of refreshing that they didn't have to like cram in every single Spider-Man villain into the story. Uh, so earlier on, though, you do deal with Mr. Negative and the Shocker a little bit, uh, but then there's a bit towards the end of the game when all hell breaks loose and like, the raft uh, has an issue where the power's out, and so uh, like a Sinister Six forms. It's not you know because you can slot in whatever Spider-Man villain you want to get a Sinister Six, but there's a bit where like you know there's some of the classic villains are there and they just beat the shit out of Spider-Man. You have to go take them out. And the, the boss battles are set up in like in pairs. Mm -hmm. So you got like Vulture and Electro together and you got Rhino and Scorpion together. So it isn't like it, it varies it up because you got to deal with the different aspects of those villains. So it was kind of cool that they waited till towards the end to give you the big Spider-Man stuff. Like, I mean, the shocker was fun and there was an optional thing to face tombstone. That was cool too. But it just—I was like, oh, okay, they're not going to do this, and then they did it, and it was kind of kind of cool. Yeah, because I mean, I guess there are tons of Spider-Man games at this point that have come out over the last like twenty years. Yeah, you know. So, because my first thought was, was like, I, I, I kind of want like a classic villain, but at the same time, like they they've probably already done that. So they they have um they they have to uh, uh, you know to some degree in every game like there was a there was a mission in the middle of the game where you had to go find this uh, professor and he was at ESU at a Halloween party and it was a costume party so you're on the campus of ESU and, and, and Peter Parker's like I have perfect costumes so you just dress, you show up as Spider-Man no one's gonna think twice uh, I had like 20 different suits to choose from in the game so I picked uh, the amazing bag head like the Fantastic okay. Four one where it's just he's just wearing the Fantastic Four outfit and the paper bag head so I was like if I want to go to a costume party, I'm going to look like the dumbest version of Spider-Man possible. <laughs> and it's funny because everyone's like, hey, Spider-Man. I'm like, he's just a guy with the bag on his head. You're not going to know who that is. Uh, but you have to go find this, this professor. And there's a photo that you have that there's three people in the photo and he could be one of them and they're all dressed up like Spider-Man villains. So you have like low rent versions of Mysterio, the lizard and the vulture. Okay. So you have to encounter them as you go along and it's kind of fun. Like, so like I thought the game was going to kind of take the piss out of that, like in the sense of like, Oh, here's your villains. But yeah. then some of them do come in later. So that was cool. Um, but then since this Spider-Man is like, and Sony stated officially and Marvel also stated because of like the whole, now that we have something like into the spider verse, people were more like acceptable of different Spider-Man stories. They said that this one's not the Marvel 616. I think that's the, the Marvel, the official universe. Yeah. He's a different one. So, and then they, they said, because of that, things aren't going to always be exactly the same. So that gave them license to tell a really good Spider-Man story and a really good Peter Parker story. But it ended in a way that you're like, huh, they couldn't do that in the comic because people would be kind of frustrated with some of the people that may not be around for later games. Uh, but this is the story that they could tell with this Peter Parker. Did they come out with a game for Into the Into the Spider Verse? No, but I'm just saying that like the, feels the, like just appropriate. Where it, you're like, oh, you can be whichever version you want to be. There was a game put out probably probably ten plus years ago now called uh, Shattered Dimensions that had um, like Spider Man six one six, Spider Man Noir twenty ninety nine, and um, one other one. <laughs> it's, uh, Scarlet Spider, maybe, but it, I forget the, the the there was four of them, and you, as you played the game, you there was different levels set up for each of them, so you couldn't like choose at will. Mm -hmm. But it was this bigger story of 
like the, the across this like you know multi thing or whatever and so like the the spider-man noir stuff was more it was all black and white and gritty and gray but it was very much more stealth based and so like they the, this idea has been out there before but you're right the idea that this thing this could have been you know you they don't make as many tie-in games anymore because they usually are there's such a short turnaround time in terms of like marketing for a film though a movie takes what two years to produce like you generally yeah. but something like into the spider-verse probably took what three plus i know that there was much more work that went into that game development usually is two or three years at least to get something you know approachable so making tie-in games isn't hasn't been worth the money with the idea that it may not hit gotcha. you know so um but making something like a standalone spider-man game that came out like what was it um a month before the film came out mm-hmm. and them saying oh this is a different one like Sony kind of knew that this was going to line up well with some good synergy, you know? Yeah. So uh, yeah, great game though. It was a lot of fun. Like I said, you got all these different suits and gadgets and Spider-Man quips. Like it was uh, a very satisfying game. So highly recommended people probably already bought it and beat it. <laughs> By the time I got to it, I just, yeah, the ending, there was some bits there where I'm like, huh? Like the, like, it, you know, you actually, I, I just, it's, I like that they take the Spider-Man, like not mythos, but, um, the same thing with the end of the spider verse where miles is his own character and he has, and because of the way Spider-Man set up, like in terms of the origin story, there are similar beats, but he's just a different character and has different reactions and different, like, you know, expectations. Yeah. And this game kind of also does that too, where, <clears throat> you know, like when you see certain, like certain relationships, you're like, Oh, well, that doesn't match the comics, but this is an interesting story. Tell me that story. So, okay. yeah. So I did that. And then I watched future man. I don't know if you've ever seen any of Future Man. Yeah, I've seen commercials for it on Hulu. Yeah, like so I was all about Man's, minutes, Spider-Mans you know. and Future Man's. I caught, caught up on season one and crushed all of season two. Like, it's, they're like a half hour episodes. Like, I just, you know, finished it. It was, it was fun. Yeah. Um, you know, you can, <laughs> I mean, it is behind the people. It's, it's from the people who brought you Sausage Party, so. <laughs> Forget that part, but, um. The first season I enjoyed a little bit more than the second season, but the second season, like it, it doesn't shy away from the problems of time travel in terms of like storytelling and the things you'd think about of like, wait, if you do that, wouldn't it cause all this other stuff to happen? Like this, this show, like for being as much like, like, um, you know, sex humor and gross out humor at times, which it is there and it's funny. Uh, sorry. Oh, I no, I just, I was going to ask, is it like, is it? Is it a, like a PG thirteen? Is it oh an R? no, it is, is it, it is. I am surprised at the shocking amount of nudity that's in the show. That's just rated TVMA on Hulu. It is ridiculous the things they show. Really? I oh. just assumed it was like No, there was a bit during the first season when I was just watching the show and there's a character that's having a face off against himself. Uh v- there's reasons for this, but they're both naked in this bathroom. And, and also for other reasons, one of them has a much larger penis than the other one. This sounds funny. It's like, it's all story explained. No, there's really, <laughs> it's funny. Like there is, there is plot points that happen in the second season because of dick size. It's like, it's okay. funny. Uh, but like Mary comes in and sits down. She's like, what are you watching? And I was like, I'm like future man. <laughs> like, like, so, um, no, it's like, it's, it's, I think it's worth the watch. If you like sci-fi, if you like uh, time travel, but if you also like, like, uh, the, the, the kind of the Terminator thing of like, you're trying to change 
the present to affect the future and how that doesn't always quite land the way you want. Yeah. Like it was, it was a good time. I can't yeah. wait for season three if it comes out. I, the, the, the thing that had me interested in it is, is, uh, the actress, I think it's Eliza Coop. She was, she was on, on Scrubs. Scrubs. Yeah. And so like, that's my one she's thing where I'm like, amazing in the series. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, she's, she was really funny on Scrubs and she was on that show. I want to say it was happy endings, but I don't think it was It's something else. And uh, I just always have liked her as an actress, and think she's she's really, really good funny. at like a deadpan like yeah. delivery. So if you liked her like in Scrubs with that, she has that same type of like kind of like like that I don't know tin skin like not like that like that crispy outside where you're like who is this person? I love that JD called her the Joe. Uh, yeah, for the uh, facts of life yeah. on Scrubs. So uh, so yeah, she plays a character named uh, Tiger, and her uh, one of the, the people she like she's part of this whole troop, and they all have animal names. It's like you know like there's these winks and nods of like conventions of the sci-fi stuff where it's like that's tiger that's wolf and then they talk yeah. about their crew of like badger and all this other stuff and it keeps going on but wolf i forget the actor's name he always has like the christian bale gravelly kind of voice and it's funny because he's like so serious to begin with but then as they start going back in time and like experiencing because they're from this future that's like this hellscape they don't understand so when they come back to the 80s like he discovers like you know cocaine and all this other stuff and it's like and he just loves the 80s <laughs> like, like, so it's like this whole thing of like them, them kind of I mean, they, find them, they, they find themselves along the way <laughs> which is a trope but it's fun to see them have this mission but then realize like ah you know like there's some stuff back here I kind of like aside from cocaine yeah. yeah well i mean 80s was you know the excess year so oh like, yeah if you go back in time to a time period i, I imagine that would probably be one well, of the more the, fun ones the, to the, visit. there was just a joke where because his name's wolf and something happened where they he got tagged with the name of, of cory wolfhart so then he just became like this big cory hart Corey fan hart. yeah and there's a bit where he's at a concert and like uh tiger's trying to find him because they're they're reasons whatever not dick related for once uh and there's all these cory hart fans outside and they're all just wearing sunglasses and she's like she's trying to yell for him and she's like what is wrong with you people why are you wearing these sunglasses (laughs) at night and the whole crowd's like woo (laughs) and she she doesn't have she has no point of reference and it's such a dumb joke but it's kind of great yeah so um yeah i don't know like it's like 13 episodes a season a half hour each um maybe i'll I'll dig into it because i just uh, i the sausage party thing was yeah that's not really not uh, getting me into the show, uh, but the fact that Eliza Coop was in it, I was like, oh well, that that's a reason to maybe give it a chance. Keith so David's now in the first. Review. He's in the first season. Um, uh, Josh Hutchinson, who's the main lead, he's the kid from the Hunger Games. Like he's pretty good. He plays. He like you. You. you those are people. Those actors that can play like the the constantly just being shit upon mm-hmm. type character. He does a really good job of that. Just constantly like really this is what's going on now type moment so yeah uh because i know season two had just come out a couple weeks ago this is i'm actually current on a tv show for once too look at that i finished a video game that came out in like within a a year of me purchasing it and i watched a tv show that came out within a couple months of it being released i'm impressed man i am on it (laughs) (laughs) so and and i saw a movie in the theater that just we're gonna talk about it look at that I'm, a, I'm becoming an adult. Not really. I was playing video games and watching Future Man all weekend. <laughs> so anyway, that was my weekend was a bunch of a bunch of mans. Yeah. I mean, my weekend was different but similar um, in that uh, even though I was on vacation the week before, 
Like I was on vacation with a group of people, so it never really felt like I had a day that was just like mine mm-hmm. or um it's weird. Like you go on vacation and you're relaxed, but at the same time you come back and you're like, I feel like I didn't get to relax. Yeah, because there's know, like obligations things and things and, that yeah. didn't go away when you were off, you know. So sat- yeah. Saturday was like the first day that I had had since like the two weeks previous where I didn't have something to do. Uh, and I just, I zoned out. I looked at, uh, well, I started the, the day off by looking at the, um, um, it's the art of He-Man masters of the universe. It's like everything from, uh, the toy design to the packaging to, um, the animated series even goes into the movie. It's just, really wonderful book that was put together um and one of the things that i have a strong affinity for is that that packaging art is so i don't know i don't want to say iconic but like i love the painted pieces that they did for all Mm -hmm. the packaging for the he-man toys um which was the main reason i picked up the book but i was like oh you know what i'm gonna check out i remember as a kid seeing she-ra and he-man or the he-man she-ra movie it's where they introduced she-ra um they put that in the theater and I don't think I've seen it since then. So I was like, I bet you, I bet you it's somewhere. And it, it was on YouTube. So like, I bet you it's somewhere. That's what? that's that's a reendorsement. Let me put it this like, way: like, I was like, I bet it's somewhere that I don't have to buy it. I that, can stream it that, somewhere. That, that, that is fair, but I like the whole notion of like, you know, He Man, She Ra movie. Like that, I bet you that's somewhere. <laughs> and it turned up to be on YouTube. So the, the movie poster now says. <laughs> It's somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. Um, and uh, it kind of had a, 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 I don't know, uh, I guess a, a day where I reverted back to being 10 years old, looking at He-Man, watching a He-Man cartoon. So and, how, how was the, the movie? Was oh, it, it's okay. not great. I mean, <laughs> I, I have an affinity have a sound, for that. Have at least a cool soundtrack, like the Transformers movie? No, no. no the Transformers no. movie is an anomaly. Like, the G.I. Joe movie that was released is kind of okay, but it... it veers off because they're introducing the whole like cobra, cobra law, law. Yeah. yeah um and the he-man it was literally it looked like it was just a bigger version of a tv <laughs> show like transformers has like some amazing stuff in it and some really great music yeah i mean the the, the production value for that animated film is high yeah you can tell for what it is um so uh, of those three yes i would say transformers <laughs> is easily the best um but uh, the other thing I watched was uh, 1981's The Prowler, which I'd never seen. Um, horror film directed by Joe Zito, who directed my favorite Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th Part 4. Okay. Um, Tom Savini effects, I believe. And it's it's okay. I it's feel like I should have much... heard of this, but with a name like The Prowler, like I just... Yeah, I, if you've got Prime, it's streaming on Amazon okay. Prime right now. I'd just never seen it, and I was like, oh, this is one that I should check off my, my list. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's not bad. It's not great. Um, I I, I kind of lumped it in with movies like Maniac, which Maniac was a movie that I hadn't seen for a very long time. And then a year or two ago, I finally got to watch it and like realized that Maniac's kind of this wonderful masterpiece of uh, both a encapsulation of the time it was made and uh, of the genre. But okay. um, I'm speaking really like high art. Already now, but no, you're uh, talking about slasher films. And yeah, you say the Maniac's a good like, one, and uh, I think a lot of people would agree with you with that. So, <laughs> but, uh, but your yeah. your sophisticated hot take yeah. that, that Maniac's a good film. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's basically it. Uh, that was all I did, and I I, I enjoyed a few beers. Um, I enjoyed many beers. Oh, um, yeah, I mean so. I, that that was my Friday. I ended up at a 
at a, at a friend's house, uh, a friend friend of the show who will be on next week, uh, Kevin. We ended up watching uh, some really uh, questionable '80s action movies. I forgot that's how we started our weekend off. Nice. So we uh, like getting ready for next year if I throw a party. So we watched a movie called The Stabilizer that was amazing because why use a door when you could just drive a dirt bike through a window like, so yeah uh so and then we watched uh, final score which was another film directed by the same guy I forget the the director's name but i'd seen that one they had shown it as a, one of the free movies at the cleveland cinemas advertising okay. their uh you know uh, whatever midnight uh, late shift midnight shift whatever the late stuff and so i'd seen that one before so to know that there's a movie out there called the stabilizer because it's like you know equalizer that's a pretty cool name like the stabilizer. That's that's a name of something, right? Like Elizer. Well, it it sounds very similar to uh Enhanced Steel where they kept using neutralize. Yeah. But then they abandoned it like halfway through the movie. Yeah, I just feel like the neutralize. stabilizer shouldn't be an action film. It should be someone going up to like if there's a waitress walking by, she's about to lose her whole plate full of like, you know, <laughs> tray full of like food. Everyone's like, oh, I got you, I got you. You have been stabilized. Or you know, someone's like parking their RV at their RV park and they're the hookups aren't quite right, and it's just like, oh no. This needs stabilized, you know. You know, the, that would have been like a great catchphrase for, um, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you were ever a Law & Order fan, but uh, Law & Order SUV, Chris Maloney's character, his name was Stabler. <laughs> and like his his gimmick was is that he went from being angry to being even more angry in every episode. Oh, yeah, no, it's Chris, yeah, that's, yeah. Why, that's the best part about it, yeah. <laughs> that would have been so, awesome if like after every like time he interrogated somebody, so, he'd have been like, you've been stabilized. You've been stabilized, yeah. So so yes, I guess I forgot to mention that part, but yeah, drinks and, and bad action movies, so good, yeah, whatever. And then, then Spider-Man and um, penises, that's what my weekend was. So, all right. Um, I can't compete with that. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I mean, weirdly, the two crossed over. I don't want to get into how and why, but it's yeah. just, you know, no. it's just, just, anyway. So, all right, let's just uh, let's just get to some news. Good news, everyone. Good news. Uh, there will be no more PS talk going forward. I can't guarantee that. I don't know. I mean, this episode maybe, but maybe. I'm pretty sure that it's going <laughs> to pop up at some point. Uh, the PS talk will pop up on the show. Uh, all right. So, uh, Captain Marvel is about to come out in theaters. Actually, we're going to talk about people being dicks. So, yeah, it's true. Like, so, more PS talk, just different kinds. Um, so, yeah, Captain Marvel is coming out soon. Uh, the early there was an early screening, like what last night. Yeah, I think it was last night. Yeah, and so people came out, and gave their um, their reactions, and people are pretty. They feel pretty good about it. Like there, are a lot of people had a lot of fun with it. Uh, there were some people saying that you know it's a little wobbly, but it tries to do so much that they'll forgive it. Uh, other people feel that maybe some of the 90, '90s music cues are a little on the nose. Maybe I'm I'm probably that person because if the trailer shows her falling into a blockbuster video, I'm gonna be like, I don't know, this is like trying to be so '90s, it's gonna smack you in the face. I'll still love the movie, I'm sure, but I'll just be like, we don't need uh, Goat Boy reminding us about the '80s, you know? Like uh, she's just walking down the street and Smash Mouth is there for some reason. Yeah, and the, the band and yeah, like she's, uh, she's drinking. Mark, uh, Mark McGrath is there uh, <laughs> from Sugar Ray, you know? They yeah. show her drinking uh, uh, Josta. Jasta, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and what else? I just like I'm gonna be like, what else is from the '90s? And I won't remember off the top of my head. Like I'm like, I don't know. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I do like uh, that song, The Connection, um, by Elastica. By Elastica. Using in, uh, that's, the a, that's a cool tune a because and that was never really a big hit. I know that, I mean, that was like a, a Buzzbend song from yeah. MTV, you know? So no, that's a good one. That's a, that's a nice, like, you know, like, I don't know. I feel like there you could easily do the 90s. And, and hit everything that you think. Like, oh, well, they got to have the Macarena in there somewhere. Oh, but. God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> um, here it comes, oh, Lou Bega's big cameo. Here comes the Rembrandts with the theme song from Friends. You know, yeah, Lou Bega. It's like, oh, it's time to have a Mambo number nine. Uh, that's that's the that's the Cree plan. That's like, listen, Mambo's one through eight have failed. We need you. We need Which you, Captain plan? Marvel, for Mambo number nine. Because that's a great line in uh, 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 Plan Nine from Outer Space. <laughs> Which plan will you follow? Follow nine. Now. Number nine. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that, that's not. I wasn't. I wasn't preemptively trying to trash the movie because I feel like that's the whole story, right? So anyway, people positive reactions. But before that, though, uh, Rotten Tomatoes was inundated with a bunch of of. Uh, like regular, not 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 critic the user scores, the user scores, or user guess, submitted by fans or whatever, yeah. and and people were just dumping all over the film before it's come out. And part of it is the one they're dicks, and two, uh, evidently during like the press for this film, Brie Larson said that she a couple things. She said one, she wants you know underprivileged girls to see this film. I think that's a good statement. Uh, and two, she realizes that everybody she's encountering was just a white guy, like talking. And she's like, there's be representation here in the press. Yeah. Again, I don't disagree with that. I know I'm a white guy, but I, I understand why she would be, you know, like I'm not upset by this. Like, right. It, Cause especially since she's the one leading the first like Marvel female led film, if she's not talking about like inclusion and diversity, then that might be missing, not missing the point, but it's something that is very appropriate to the launch of the film. So why not incorporate it? Yeah. So, but yeah, there's people out there that are just completely being like, well, clearly this movie isn't aimed for me. It's like, well, I mean, if you're that offended by somebody saying that everybody should be allowed at the table, then maybe this movie isn't for you. I guess where I get, I, uh, so uh, just to start <laughs> off, <laughs> I, I just I, just about to get stabilized. <laughs> I just really don't like the term social justice warrior. It's like if I see that or SJW, you, you mean I'm, in the sense that people label something yes, with it. Yeah. So so you, so it isn't the necessarily the, the the statement of social justice warrior. It's just that people use it as an offhand. Like I know uh, how they're using it. Yeah, they're using that, it as in a derogatory way. Like. I'm always amazed that like science fiction and comic book fans all seem to like uh, not all I shouldn't say, but whenever they come out against like diversity or social justice, if you will, like I don't like did were we reading the same things growing yeah, up? I just like have you read any comic book from Marvel? Like so much of it's about those things, like. Uh, like if you well, watch Star Trek, if you like any of those things, it's all about those, you know. Yeah, I know. Like that's I just, what those stories are about. I it just if if you're telling me like people are like, well, when I grew up reading, this was all this, and it's like, well, then so you're telling me that a majority of probably the majority of comics that you read, the the main uh, heroes were just white males, and that you identified with that, and now you're upset that that's changing. That I don't know what to tell you. But like, the thing is, is it doesn't take it away. It's no, it not doesn't. Like, no, that's what it's just, I was literally just talking about a Spider-Man game where, you know, they go and tell different stories and, and Miles Morales is in that as well. They bring yeah. him in and it's like, uh oh, like there could be other people, you know, like, and I just, I, yeah. It like, just, I remember, and this is going back, when was Daredevil, the, the movie, 2003, I think. 
2004. Oh, are you talking about the Kingpin thing? Yeah. yeah. I remember getting in, into it online with somebody about that because, you know, they were like, oh, I just don't think uh, Michael Clark Duncan. I'm like, who who else are you going to pick at this point? I'm like, you know, at that point, he'd already been in the Green Mile and like he had the frame and everything. I'm like, what is it about the Kingpin that says he can't be Michael Clark Duncan? Like, I'd be more upset if they're like, listen, we're going to cast Kingpin. It's going to be French Stewart. Like, <laughs> it's going to be a little different take. It's going to be like casting Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. People will be fine with it. No, I'm just, uh, <laughs> no, I, I just, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, it's just, it, you know, there was the hubbub, and we've talked about this before, where people were wanting to get Idris Elba to be uh, James Bond, which I think would be amazing. And everyone's yeah. like, well, James Bond, you know, can't be just not a white British guy. It's like, says who? Right. This is all made up stuff. And it's like, and Idris Elba is just, he is the, one of the greatest goddamn human beings to ever live. And he's just amazing. And I, I just want to be him, you know, but like, why not? You know, yeah. like even, even his casting of the dark towers, Roland people were upset about because Roland was written as like, Oh, like a white guy look like Clint Eastwood, yeah. you know, but you know, whatever, like, I don't know. It just, it just feels like just because something's different doesn't like judging on its own merits. Like we talked about this before about, pretty much everything, I guess, including recently we talked about Ghostbusters. Maybe Captain Marvel isn't a good film. I don't know. I've not seen it. Yeah. I, I have my suspicions that it's going to be good because I feel like the, the system they've put in place to keep the quality up. It, it, like, I don't know what, how Marvel keeps pulling this off or I should say Marvel and Disney, like even, even what's, what's the worst uh, MCU movie so far? For in you. my opinion, I think it's Iron Man 2, and it's like, still a watchable movie. It's still a pretty good movie, you know? And like, and for me, it's like like that one, and like, and I've not revisited Thor The Dark World. I liked it. I just don't remember much about it. <laughs> and I own it, and I've not watched it. It's funny you say that, because I watched the Honest Trailer the other day for the uh, the Eric Bana Hulk movie. Okay. And like, they're going through it, and at the very end of the trailer, they're like, this is what you know comic book movies were like in 2003 or whatever year it was. They're like... Thor the Dark World's not working, looking so bad to you now, is it? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Like, and, and even people hold like the first Ant-Man as like a lower point for the MCU, and I don't agree with that. I think Ant-Man's no. quite great. So I, whatever whatever system of, of pulleys and levers they have in place to keep putting out like this consistently quality product, I'm going to bet Captain Marvel's right in line with the rest of it, and I'm going to probably love it. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know that. I haven't seen the film, and if I watch it, I turn out and be like, you know what? This one missed for me, and they'll be like, why? I'll be like, well, because of Woman was the hero. No, that's not why. I'm like, I will. <laughs> if if it doesn't work, I will. You know, I will say that. You know, like if I don't like it for reasons, I'll mention those reasons. I'm not going to go in immediately just being like, it's because the person on the screen is a gender that's not of mine that is half the population on the earth. How dare it? You know, like right. I just, I don't know. Like I. I, I try not to prejudge things, even though I'm sure people could pull up like every episode where I prejudge something. Uh, and it makes me hypocritical, uh, but I don't prejudge it because of, I, I don't know, casting. Maybe I don't. Maybe I, just... I mean it's one thing if you can't see an actor as the character, like going and I'm going back to like the '78 Superman, but like there was talks where they were like, we should try and get Robert Redford. Like Robert Redford's a phenomenal actor. Don't know that I see him as Superman or they, Eastwood. Nicholas Cage. Well, well, well they, they 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 thought Nick, they didn't they approach Cleese would also to be. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, or Nicholas Cage as Superman. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah. But so, what if the suit glowed? How would you feel about it then? <laughs> so, like, that's one thing. Like, if yeah. you're just like, I don't think that that actor is going to be good. And, Even if you want to use Michael Keaton as Batman. Oh, like, yeah. That, there was oh. a lot of talk. Like, well, there was huge backlash for that. Yeah, it's like, how how is this guy going to be Batman? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's again, I know we're switching to the, the male gender because, I mean, there's a lot of controversy about. Well, nobody the, was complaining because there weren't any, like, movies. Yeah. You I know. Mean, so I'm not trying to pivot back to, well, guys were upset that other guys were casting roles. It's just like, I I just feel like that people, the, the, these people that do these things are angry about something and I don't know what it is. Either it is that their worldview doesn't match up with, with the world around them and they, they don't want to either evolve or accept the knowledge that there's differences in the world and maybe maybe what they thought they were promised growing up isn't what they're getting now. Maybe that's what it is. Well, the, the other thing or, too is is that the characters that I love are not based in their skin color. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't love Batman because he's a white dude. Like, yeah. And it's not like I can identify him. I'm nowhere near like <laughs> you know, in, in the I, physical shape you know, that he I, I, is. Um, I'm I, not a billionaire. I'm not. You know, my parents weren't gunned down. Like, <laughs> there's nothing there that like. You know, I I'm just I'm a. Um, a self like independently wealthy guy that likes hanging around with young men. Um, <laughs> and then we do karate in my basement full of bats. I, this character speaks to me. You know? You know, like, I mean, there's nothing in those characters that, that is, you know, other than like the most surface level, like reflection of them being, uh, you know, a, a flesh tone color of pale in a comic book. Like well, even when those, those characters came out, there was, and, and this is this is not the show that I was going to get into because my knowledge that to speak to it is going to be very limited. But you got to think about like wh- what was being published at the time, who they were writing for, and what they perceived to be like you know the preponderance of what America was, even though that's not necessarily true. But it was even changing then. But it was still kind of like you know you write what you know, and this is what you thought was the widest appeal. And I'm sure, I mean, even with like Stan Lee, like I, I, there, you look at a lot of his characters. You know they were of a certain kind, but it, like, but there was also different offshoots to all of that as well. Like, yeah. I, I just, I don't, I don't understand the ownership that people believe they have over something that doesn't exist, and also the ownership they believe they have over dictating to somebody else what they deal is appropriate and enjoyable content. You know, like I don't know why I'm holding my thumb up like I'm stumping for politi- <laughs> politics, but same shit happened last year with Black Panther. People were upset about it. And it's like, and. And uh, it's nominated for Best Picture, and it made a shit ton of money. And there's people that came out for these movies that they saw something that maybe they didn't see in other films and that was being celebrated and enjoyed, and it was great. And it opened my mind up to some things. Like, yeah. I, 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 if you go back and watch that film and to see the costuming, and then I, the, the, the person who's in charge of the costuming for that was on NPR talking about how they went and looked at certain, like, you know, uh, areas of Africa where they thought Wakanda would would be, and they pulled a lot of elements designed from that, and then they also went into how each character, the fashion would be reflected in them, and these are things that I would never think twice about, and it's like, and it's all there in front of you just to just to soak it up and realize that there's so much uh, thought and process and pride, and it's still like it, you could look at it that way, you could be like, that's a badass superhero film. Well, I mean, the other yeah. thing, too, like uh, when we were talking about our weekends, I forgot to mention, the other thing that I did do is I revisited Infinity War for the first time since I saw it in the theater. Okay. I bought it back when it came out, but um, when the movie originally came out, uh, my we had to put our dog to sleep, and I've kind of always associated the movie with that, so like, even though I love Blame that Thanos. movie... 
Yes, I, I blame <laughs> Thanos. Um, it's just been sort of a tough thing. But I was like, it was Saturday night. It was towards the end of the night. And I was like, oh, you know what? I, I haven't revisited it. I'm going to watch it again. And like, at no point was I ever like, you know, like, I love Black Panther. I love Shuri. Like, there was no point where I was like, oh, now we're in a Wakanda. Like, oh, you know no. what I mean? Like, yeah. you're excited for those moments. Because like, when tiny. Wakanda pops up on the screen, you know, and it, or uh, I don't know. I just, I get so upset that I can't talk about these things. Like, I just. The, the part that kills me about all this, aside from the fact that, like, people are trying to be assholes and bomb a film until before it comes right. out. We talked about the same thing with the weird uh, stars burn, born Venom thing, even though that was bombing for a different reason of like trying to defend Gaga versus Venom. I don't know how that worked out, but um, I, I just don't like this notion that a small group of people can disrupt a lot because they're unhappy with something. It's like, you know, if you're unhappy with something, A, you know, don't spend your money on it. B, yeah. like... If you're if you're being vocal about something you don't like that's entertainment related, I'm talking. This is not the same thing as like if you're outraged at something the government's doing or your place of work or something, then then speak up. Like, but I'm saying in terms of entertainment, you, I'm not saying you can't have the conversation. If you want to have that discussion, be aware then that there's other opinions. If by conversation meaning not just one way of you telling everybody why things suck or why they're wrong, like have the dialogue. If you want to have that dialogue, have the dialogue. But do you think it's successful? going on to a site like Rotten Tomatoes, which that feels like it's just run by an AI at this point that just runs all of our lives in terms of the tomato score. Do you really think that you're going to have an effect on the box office of that film? Right. Like, and so do you think what's like, do you think draw, are you drawing attention to yourself or do you really think that you're going to cripple the, the, you know, the mega company that is Disney with you saying, I'm a man, this film isn't for me and how dare it be, exist? that's the thing that I don't get. Like, I just, I don't understand. And the point that I was trying to make was, is that like, you know, I, I love Black Panther. I love Shuri. I love Wakanda. I love all that stuff because I love that. It's not like I love Tony Stark less or, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's all good. Like, I don't understand. I don't like, know, you can look up be like, listen, like, look what they do with their money. What'd you do with your money, Tony? What'd you do? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I don't know. I guess for me personally, like I, I, I think a true fan always finds room for more. Right. As, and, I, and, and here I am. I guess I'm judging. That's, that's my judgment. A true fan always finds room for more while some people, they only hold a couple things near and dear and they love it fiercely. And that love is kind of toxic. And I know that word even becomes a thing now, yeah. but it's like it is, you know, if you, if you feel like this is only yours, then you know what? Stay at home and write as much fan fiction as you want that, that would probably, you know, you know, I don't want to read it. That's going to be weird stuff, but tell the stories that you want to tell yourself. If you don't want to have anything else and, and, and try to ruin everybody else's love of things, then I have no, I have no patience for that. Like I know I don't like certain things, but I can't ever tell somebody to not like something, you know, yeah. for whatever reason. Like I, I have my own qualms with it. That's that. That's me. I it's just with this Captain Marvel thing. It's just, it, it doesn't surprise me. Like, and it's unfortunate that that's the part that it, it just doesn't surprise me that this is happening now. Yeah. I, and uh, this will be my capper for the conversation. Sorry, like, I just, uh, no, yeah. I like I, what, what I was trying to say about the term social justice warrior uh, SJW is it's often abbreviated is, is that, you know, I put a post up on Facebook last night and I'm like, it, it's almost the equivalent of uh, a MAGA hat at this point where it's just like, it's the thing that's like, I'm sending a message with this, you know. Yeah, like it's yeah, like it's it's directly or 
you hear the phrase dog whistle or something. Yeah. It's, it, it's just basically they're, they're drawing a line that there's this, they're saying this without saying it. Right. And it's like, then just say it. If you, if you want to say it, I'm not saying that I agree. I'm going to agree with what you're going to say. Probably not, but I'd rather you just come out and tell me that, you know, you're a terrible person as opposed to trying to code it you know know? and now that i think about it like there was outrage over like female screenings only of wonder woman do you remember that yeah yeah people yeah like what was the album draft house was going to be everyone's like well there's not only men's screenings i'm like yeah it's every other goddamn screening out there you know like um yeah (laughs) you know like i i just don't there there was a time and this this is this is not the same thing but this is horrific i when i was working i was i was managing a hockey store and I, maybe I've told you this story before. Yeah. Uh, did I tell you this one? Already? I think so. I don't know if I told it on the show before, but I was working with uh, with uh, a coworker and this guy walked in and he was like, this guy, shaved head, bibbles, whatever, like just not exactly the kind of guy that walks into a hockey store. It was a weird look. He's talking to us and he's like, yeah, he's like hockey. He's like, it's kind of a pure sport, isn't it? And I'm like, well, I mean, there's people that enjoy it. And like, uh, he's like, well, you know, there's a lot, not a lot of, he was basically saying it's a white sport and he was trying to get us to talk to him about it. And I was like, I want to be like, no, there's like, I don't know what your definition of white is because if you look, it's a, the hockey is Canadian. I don't know if you think Canadians are, are, are the same, yeah. uh, which I mean, goddamn Canadians. No, that's not true. Um, it's, it's very much a mixed sport over in Europe. It's like, this guy was trying to get like this conversation about like white power in the middle of a hockey store. It's like, I, I didn't understand it. And like, I don't know what his point was, but he was trying to hint at that. It was a pure sport. Like, like the third Reich was known for attacking <laughs> Paris <laughs> and hockey, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, so I don't know. Like, it's just weird. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't get it. And like, look, I, I'm not saying that, you know, you can't dislike a movie like, you know, and honestly, and, and I, I apologize for bringing this up, but like, you know, that was part of what zapped some of the, even though we've had many discussions about The Last Jedi on this show, yeah, those types of reactions sort of zapped any sort of energy that I had about having conversations. I'm like, I don't want to be associated with those people. I thought you were going to talk about the Scott Bayo film Zapped from the 80s. Oh, that would have been, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh. you know, I, I don't know. I guess, I think the fact that because it's, it's, and maybe it hits closer to home because it's stuff that you and I are, you know, really grew up with and are into. Uh, like, I don't know. I, it just, outside it's, it's, of my normal life, I'd probably be like, yeah, those people are assholes and not give it a second thought. But, yeah. like, because it's so close to home, because it's the comic book industry or fandom in general, it just pisses me off. Yeah, because, again... It, it, the, the, or I have more of a personal stake, I guess. Well, no, it's just that I feel like, again, you should have, like... um the, the ability to like something and the ability to love something, I don't think there's a, there's a cap on that. And right. I feel like that's the, the and, and with, with this being, I, what is this? The 87th movie in the Marvel cinematic Universe, or something like that. Yeah. Um, we're at a point now where you and I growing up where if this is stuff we loved, we'd be made fun of for loving it. Yeah. And, and then there became this bit where it's like, oh, well, there's a couple good movies and then people get excited. And, and for goodness sakes, I'm wearing a Captain Marvel shirt now, not because, you know, I just, I saw it and I was like, that's a cool shirt. And I, and I'm excited for this film. This shirt wouldn't have existed 10 years ago. Yeah. Like, I mean, so and without, well, maybe it would have, but people have been like, I don't understand you know what that is at yeah. all, you know? And so I feel like it got to the, the we're not at a saturation point because everything keeps getting greenlit as a series, as a comic book yeah. series. So I don't know if we've reached the end of that world yet, but like, it's such a mainstream thing now that you like to tell you that 
that there's people out there that are angry that it's not the way that they want it almost feels counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing that like growing up and been like, we were to get the Hulk on trial TV movie. It's like, it's right. a Hulk movie with the, there's the daredevil. no, daredevils in it and it's not quite right at all, but that's the closest we're going to get. Like, you know, that, um, that was it Cor- uh, Corman Captain America film. Like yeah. that's kind of close. I mean, <laughs> got to respect it. That's, but we're, we have so much like this embarrassment of riches that it's like to, to have people now just like get upset that it's not exactly what they think it should be. I don't know. Maybe I'm not connecting those points together, but it's just weird how the thing we loved people would have torn us apart for now, but now people can tear each other up over the smaller part. Not yeah, I know what you mean. Not smaller is not the right word, but like just the fact. I don't know. It's just it's a reason for people to be angry. It's a reason for people to get divided, and it's a reason for people to bring in other beliefs into a story about someone that's going to have like like godlike powers that could face off against Thanos, you know, the angriest California raisin. Like, I don't know why there has to be all this more brought into it, you yeah. know? So anyway, that's, that was yeah. our episode people. I, I hope you guys enjoyed it. <laughs> I apologize. I, no, I, I feel like I, I didn't articulate my points well, but like, I just, no, you, I, essentially I just, I, it's, it's annoyance and it's, it's crap. And that's yeah. all I'll say about it at this yeah. point. All right. So enough about that. Um, do we do the, the toy stuff next? Or you kind sure. Of, you want to stabilize? We'll stabilize. <laughs> and, so uh, this, this past week, uh, 2019 Toy Fair took place. And uh, for those of you who know what Toy Fair is, that's where all the toy companies come and they show what's going to be come out, coming out in the, the new year. Um, and a lot of times you'll get, you know, announcements for toy toy lines whether it's you know something that's connected to a big movie that's coming out maybe you'll get a sneak peek of designs things like that um they you spoil know. movies all the time with those where it's like look at this place set <laughs> oh that person's dead well it's just the toy it could not be that case um but you know when it comes to the actual why is uh, emperor snoke in two halves we don't know yet it's <laughs> he's not, a lego figure it's <laughs> um but you know, this year there were some some cool announcements. Like uh, uh, there's a um, Ghostbusters Transformer mashup where the Ecto One will be a Transformer. Not something I'm going to buy personally, but I'm like I could see why somebody would dig that. Um, yeah, I posted that on Facebook a couple of days ago. If you saw that, when yeah. I posted that where I was like, well, because like um, Lego, not Lego Transformers did a Star Wars line a couple of years ago that was just stupid looking. Yeah, like, I, they looked terrible. Because it was like the ships would turn into like robots that kind of look like Obi-Wan. It was like a weird thing. But at least with the Ecto-1 just turning into a robot, it's like, well, that's a basic transformer. It's just a car that turns into a robot. Yeah. So not that I'm trying to think, well, they got it right. I don't know. It's just, no, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that there were some interesting announcements. Like yeah. there was also, um, you know, uh, Lego uh, Flintstones that are coming out. And uh, um, block blocks. I don't know. Like it's, if, but uh, you know, or in the Marvel um, toys, they're coming out with uh, uh, oh god, I want to say is his name Luis in the Ant Man movies? The oh, um, the Michael Pena character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, they're coming out with a figure for him, <laughs> and uh, there's that's a really great. cool Agent Carter figure that's coming out, and um, but there were some announcements that I kind of wanted to go into a little bit more in depth here. Um, and the first one here is kind of going to lead into the rest of what I'm going to talk about. But um, and when I say I'm going to talk about, it, I'm just going to talk right through it and uh, <laughs> do it. <laughs> not let you get an Ta- ed- time in for edgewise. the bull in the trash shop. No. Uh, so the first thing is, is that Hasbro is releasing a, a line of retro Kenner figures. Um, if you're my age or of the 
of the age group who was buying toys uh, at the time the original trilogy came out, you probably have a special place in your heart for these figures. Um, but what's interesting to me is is that they're they're releasing these figures, the original like Kenner designs on Kenner cards, but with this big sticker on it that says you know retro design da 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 da, um, and they're doing it now. Uh, in a year where there's a, a new Star Wars movie coming out, like yeah. this would have made sense to me. Maybe the 40th anniversary two years ago, or okay. no, it was 2017. So yeah, two years ago. Um, I could kind of see that. Um, but I think that well, I, my personal opinion is is that Hasbro hasn't known what to do with the Star Wars toy line in a long time. To be perfectly <laughs> honest, and if you take a look at you know the toy lines that they've been putting out. It seems like a weird move to be like, oh, we're going to reissue these original figures on the original cards, um, you know, with this retro sticker so it doesn't, you know, confuse buyers, you know, on the secondary market, that kind of thing. But <laughs> if you look at The Last Jedi, the, the, the thought process behind it seemed to be like, let's clear the deck of the old stuff, you know, but kill the past. Kind we, of thing. We talk, you talk about like the backlash, so they might be like, no, people. Still want this. Yeah. So, like. But what I what I thought was interesting was is that they're doing this now, and I thought when The Force Awakens came out, what they should have done was is they should have released a line of vintage figures that was the new characters. Like, yeah, that would have been but cool. But in that style. I, that would be that, that would have been a nice... I mean, considering that all of Episode Seven's one of the... Like a big right. redo of all that anyway. Why not? I know that's my opinion, but... But I, I mean, just like, oh, like that would have been a fun idea. That would have been something that yeah. markets... And, and to be clear about this, like... I don't think Hasbro knows who its market is anymore. Um, you know, I hear that. Well, you're like, trying to appeal don't... to three generations, right? right. So, like, but I mean, I, I understand that, like, you know, on some levels, that you know, they say kids aren't playing with toys the way they used to. Most of them are now geared towards uh, video games and handheld devices, and yeah. But at the same time, like. I don't know that this is like as a kid in a store going to see this and want this. Like this is designed for me basically, and as somebody who collects vintage Star Wars, the only appeal here for me is to have that figure on a card because I know that I can't afford to buy a original Luke Skywalker on the card mm -hmm. for just shits and giggles display purposes. Um, and it's just it's a weird it's a weird time to be doing it, and it's a, a weird way that they're approaching it. It almost feels like it's the last gasp of them trying to milk more money out of people like me. Um, well, I mean, the, from what you're saying, that, that might be accurate. Um, I don't know. And there's part of me that's like, yeah, I, I'll probably pick these up. And there's part of me that's just like... I'm going to get two. One to play with, the one right, to keep like, on the why, why, why am I going to do this? I already have all these figures in vintage... I just don't have them on package hard. Oh, gotcha. You know? um, and I just, I think that there are better ways for Hasbro to reach out to, if they're trying to break it up between, you know, older fans, younger fans, there are things that they could have done. For instance, like there are characters who never got card or figure releases from the original trilogy. Like they are doing a Grand Moff Tarkin finally because he was never released, but he's also included in a reissued version of the um, Escape the Death Star game. So okay. like the only way to get him now is to buy this board game. Oh, so that's that's kind of not that, so great. That's not great. But like there was never a Wedge Antilles figure. There was, um, 
never a um, well. I, I shouldn't say Aunt Peru, Uncle Owen, because kids probably didn't want them anyway. But like, there are figures that they could do in this line that it's the have parents, not been... The parents buy it for the kids where it's like, listen, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with being a moisture farmer or whatever it is. Right. Like, this is, you know, not everybody gets to go fly spaceships. Like, play with them. There, there was never a uh, rebel trooper figure. There was, at least not from the original Star Wars. So the point that I'm making is, is that they seem... Like they're falling in line with where the rest of the industry is, trying to reach out to the retro market, because that's where I'm going to go with the next uh, okay. thing that was revealed. But they're doing it in kind of a ass-backwards way, is I guess what I wanted to say. Um, and that brings me to the next company, which is doing something that's really cool. Um, Super 7 is continuing their line of reaction figures. And they're doing... If you don't know what reaction figures are, reaction figures are... Figures designed to look like the original Kenner figures, but for different properties. So, yeah, like I have a Marty McFly one from Back to the Future on my wall. Yeah, that, and it's like it's done up like it would have been then, back yeah. in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the lines that they're doing are clearly appealing to older adults or older adults, adults <laughs> um, as opposed to kids. But like they're doing uh, breaking. They're doing figures the, based the on... The canon film breaking. Yes. Uh, they're doing a, a line of figures on Robocop. Um, which one of those figures is going to be the guy who gets hit with toxic waste? Uh, I was going to say, I was, I was hoping it was the guy getting his dick shot off. I was hoping <laughs> for that one. <laughs> He's probably coming at some yeah. point. Uh, Teen Wolf and then They Live figures. And I'm like, these are all, this is kind of what they should do with Star Wars. Like, do newer versions in this retro style, not re release. No, I, the I, old that's figures. your point. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm really excited about those. Like, I kind of want all of them. I just cannot wait for them to do the reaction of uh, the Apple with those figures. Yes, yeah. that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like any of those things where everyone's like, "That's great, I don't want to own one." So then you just go to like, like, uh, like big lots and just find the bin full of like <laughs> Apple figures. Like, oh, okay, Super Seven. If you're listening, I'd like a Night of the Comic two pack uh, with uh, um, both uh, both sisters in it. So there you go, that'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, another thing that Super Seven is doing, they have the Masters of the Universe license. Odd tie into my weekend. Uh, they're releasing figures based on the 1987 canon film. So you're going to get a Dolph Lundgren He-Man. You're going to get a uh, Frank Langella Skeletor. They're doing two versions of Skeletor. They're doing regular Skeletor and then the like Golden God version from the end of the movie where okay. he's in that weird gold outfit. Um, and then they're also doing a Karg, who is one of the like villains that they created for the movie was it the sword guy like yeah. the silver guy yeah no i think his name was blade or something like oh that. that's or, blade yeah i'm sorry yeah. um karg was the guy who looked like a lizard with, with white hair oh okay yeah. yeah okay um and like these they're they're gonna get is all there gonna movies. be a courtney cox figure is there gonna be one of them i'm sure it's coming down the line <laughs> she'll probably be the one that they can't get licensing for so <laughs> she's just got to be like a, a generic figure as long as there's not a quill or one like i think i'll be okay because <laughs> I, I would take that and just like i would just set the set on fire <laughs> Like, not the front seller talk about Master Universe in like eight months, but we'll get there when we get there. Um, and then lastly, I wanted to mention these NECA figures that are coming out. Um, they're really cool, the stuff that they're doing as well. And oddly enough, um, El Goro on Talk Without Rhythm had mentioned that he's a NECA, I think he said an ambassador. Like you sign up to basically be somebody who goes and checks on the their, displays, their and displays everything. at yeah, yeah. Target. 
And I was like, that's that's actually kind of cool because I'm I'm getting more into the NECA figures now. Well, see if you can become an ambassador. I like yeah. I like the idea. It's like if, if a store's not claimed, you can claim it. But I, I want to believe that you like if your store's claimed, you get to challenge that person for the right. Like you have to <laughs> have like a showdown in the parking lot or something. That'd be amazing. But uh, you know, I have like a uh, LARP style battle. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I have the, uh, you know, the the latest edition of Michael Myers and I've got a Freddy and I've got a Jason and like they just keep coming out with all the cool stuff that I'm like, ah, I, I want to buy that. For instance, they're coming out with the first uh, Parker figure from Alien. That's the Yafet Koto Okay, character. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that thing looks gorgeous. Um, they're coming out with an Ultimate Roy um, from Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, whereas okay. most people know him, fake Jason. Um <laughs> Which is also a callback to El Goro's most recent show. I, um, uh, he he covered uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Five and Six. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I had I was behind, but I'm like he's talking about Part Six, so I had to, <laughs> I had to get their list to it. It was a, it was a good talk. Um, they're also doing they live figures, and they're even doing a Bob Ross figure. Which yeah, like that's cool, but it's just, it's one of those things again. I feel like uh, when did when did that become a thing? Like I'm not. I mean, I, because I think it's it's. People in our age group grew up with it, and it's yeah. sort of become this un- ironic thing that people enjoy. Yeah, I um, mean, like, I, not that I mean Bob Ross knew his shit. Like he knew how to you know paint and everything, and it's evident, right? Like, but it's just, it's just maybe maybe because we just need nice people still. It's like here's the nice person action figure, you know? Like, well, I mean, that's that <laughs> Friday night we watched because um, it's on HBO now. The the, the won't you be my neighbor, yeah. yeah. Um, and like, I'm afraid to watch it. I think I will die from crying. No, I feel like you that, won't die from crying, but there there's. It's it's literally like he he was just a guy who cared about children and wanted the best out of people. Yeah. Like and it's it's kinda sometimes easy to forget, you know, particularly if you're like me who's very cynical and crotchety. Um that and review people bombing like that, things before they're out. <laughs> <laughs> that that those people existed yeah. or exist. And uh you know, I, I I don't know. I think Bob Ross kind of falls in that category. Granted, he wasn't working with children or anything like that, but like he's he's very much in in line with. The, what if it always off camera? Like there was just like a, like a just a person just chained to a wall. He would just go over and just beat the hell out of, <laughs> and then come back and just keep painting. It's like well, what if you what you didn't know that? Like maybe there there's some funny stuff in the documentary, the Mister Rogers documentary, where stuff that you wouldn't think would be going on, like the one cameraman. He's like, yeah, if anybody left a camera lying around, I always took a picture of my ass. <laughs> um, and like they said that Mister Rogers had like a really good sense of humor. You know, um, the only time he didn't like humor is if it got mean spirited. Okay. Um, you know, particularly with like if it was somebody making fun of Mister Rogers, like they're like he had a good sense of humor about himself, but if it was mean spirited, that he didn't. That, that seems about like right. It. Like uh, that, yeah. But like you know, they they did crazy stuff on that set and stuff like that. So like puppets went places. We won't talk about it. Although to be fair, I didn't know he was an ordained minister. Yeah, I never knew that. So you learn something new every day. And somehow my toy talk turned into Mister Rogers. That was me. I caused it to happen. So (laughs) any other toys that you wanted to talk about? No, I mean those were the big ones that I was like, and I just thought it was interesting that these birthdays in October, everybody just make (laughs) make a list. He's already told you which ones he wants. Well, like Super Seven and NECA seem to be doing it right, and Hasbro has the biggest license of them all, and just can't seem to. figure out what the hell to do with well, it. Well, at least there's not another line of weird Star Trek toys coming out that doesn't make any sense. Like, there's no helmets and no, uh, 
whatever yeah. it was we learned from the toys that made us. Well, Spock, <laughs> there's no new Spock helmet coming out. There are. Uh, I've been uh, buying uh, the occasional Mego figure now at Target because uh, um, they re-released like the Dracula and the Frankenstein. Yeah, the Wolfman's supposed to be out there. I haven't seen him yet, but no. I guess they're doing a Freddy. You Kruger. should be a Mego ambassador for Target. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know what's funny too is is that I did pick up. Uh, you'd gotten me the um, the, the uh, Freddy Krueger like He Man mashup yeah. figure. Yeah, uh, I found the Jason, so I bought him. Good. Yeah. That that I know you like the Freddy, but I was trying to find the Jason. The only two they had at the the one FIE was that was Freddy and um, uh, Leatherface, and the Leatherface one. I was just I don't know. Like I know I know you're okay with him, but I know yeah. Freddy and Jason are your like go tos. Yeah, and for whatever reason, the Michael Myers just didn't grab me. So yeah, that was one of them too. So yeah. all right, uh, that's that's your toy talk for the week. Uh, last story we'll just mention in passing. We don't have to go on forever about it. Um, so Chris Hemsworth, that's been announced that he's supposed to be playing. Uh, Hulk Hogan and a movie that's going to be a Netflix direct film. Um, yeah, by Todd Phillips, which I think is yeah, interesting. The guy who's currently, he directed the Hangover films, and he's now doing the new Joker film with Joaquin Phoenix. So um, it's supposedly just going to be like, I don't know, about halfway through Hulk Hogan's career, so we won't get to like, you know, the the weird, Sex bad. Sex racist uh, yeah, we Hulk won't get Hogan. To, so we won't get to the Thunder in Paradise Hulk Hogan. Um, but uh, I this this is, when you think of casting, it's like, I, it's kind of great, like in terms of like who else would you pick to play Hulk Hogan? I don't know. I kind of want it to be a comedy. Though. <laughs> well, I mean, like if if they do it in the way like um like so you remember Howard Stern's film Private Parts? Yeah. Like I mean, granted he played himself in that, so it's not exactly the same thing. But if you kind of have that same type of like winking towards the camera, you could still tell a good story with an emotional core. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's probably more of a straight straightforward biopic you know with humor in it but um i'm just picturing chris hemsworth with that beard and mustache i know like i just i want to see that then it just like i just you got to get rowdy piper in there too i don't know who you'd have him play play him <laughs> but i want i want i just want to see a bunch of like modern day stars just get cast as like wwf wrestlers back in the 80s that would be amazing <laughs> i don't know who i'd want to play which part but uh, yeah, it's good casting, and I'm sure it'll be an interesting film. And and, and Hemsworth has proven that he's more capable of doing dramatic. And people didn't realize how goddamn funny he was until yeah. he you know started. Uh, like I think I mean it was Thor a little bit, and then you know what, what, say what you want about Ghostbusters, but I thought he was really funny in that. So yeah, yeah. Um, I will say that I think The Rock now should make his own biopic. You know, it's like Dwayne Johnson starring in The Rock Story. Like it's, or as John Oliver called him, was it uh, Rock the Dwayne Johnson? Yeah. <laughs> There's actually that movie. It's in theaters right now. It's called Fighting with My Family. That's a story. Is of, that out uh, already? Yeah, it just came out. Um, that is the story of Paige. Okay, one of the the first uh, the, the the first divas champion. I think is they that what it. that movie's about? Yeah, and, it ha- and it's directed by um, Stephen Merchant, the the really co-creator of The Office. Okay, I um, didn't know that. I the, I've seen like Nick two Frost is for it. playing the father, and that's and, the reason that I and, was uh, like excited. Lena Headley is the mother because you know obviously the Paige and her family are British, and it's like so you have a guy who was one of the guys behind The Office directing like a biopic about a WW, you know, F star rising and the rocks in it for like two scenes. But yeah, yeah, it's supposed to like everything I've read about it. It's like, everyone's like, 
yeah, this is actually pretty good. Like better than they were expecting for like a WWF production. Like so. I didn't know that that's what that was. I just thought it was like a comedy about like wrestling. I didn't realize no, it's, that it's, it was a. It's yeah, it is that too. But yeah, like I I want to watch it. So, yeah, same uh, here. Yeah, so and more so now. Yeah, right. So anyway, that's it. Uh, Chris Hemsworth's gonna be Hulk Hogan, and we like it. So there, there you go. Nice short story. Uh, let the, we're done with news. We're oh done. Oh my with, God, we're an hour in. Yeah, I just saw the time. No, no, no. Look at that. Look, we did we did the thing that we always do, where it's like we're not gonna talk a lot about the weekend, which we didn't really, but then we spent like you know a lot on us being angry about people being angry. So yeah, eh, whatever. Uh, well, let's just let's just get to. We're going out get into our discussion about uh, uh, Alita Battle Angel. So I'll do this first. Do you know why they are called spoilers? And then this. And now for our feature presentation. Would you rather an hour of us just talking about nothing or at least having like, you know, I feel like we've had some good topics here. It isn't just like, you know, what I'm going to talk about for an hour, Spider-Man video game <laughs> like, you know, or, or future man and all the penises. Like I, we didn't do that. So, um, but yeah, so spoiler heavy alert here for Alita battle angel. Uh, this film just came out this weekend. Uh, we, it's been a while since we've talked about like a current film on the show. Like yeah. we always kind of do an episode leading up to a film, but yeah. we never really, so um, the reason I suggested this is because, well, one, I, I've had like kind of a passing interest in this film for a while because I mean, not only because, uh, and we'll get into some of the history here later, I'm sure, or I'll, or I'll say that and we won't get to it, which is what I always do. Um, this has had a long gestating like production or at least the, the James Cameron's been wanting to make this film for a while. So I'd heard about it. And before Avatar got up and started, there was always rumors of, you know, Battle Angel becoming his next project. Because how many films has James Cameron actually made? Like, if you think about his career as a filmmaker, over the course of time, I mean, he's made, I mean, a fair amount, but like, not as many as you would think. Yeah. You know, like, and that, that's not an accurate number. Well, that's but, because there's a 20-year difference, almost no, 10-year difference, I'm sorry, between Titanic and Av- the first Avatar, Avatar. And now there will be a... 10 year difference between avatar and avatar two, Right. Yeah. So, I mean, we have like, what was it? Um, uh, Terminator aliens. Um, Oh, what was after aliens? The, the abyss? abyss. Uh, and then true lies, Terminator two, Terminator two, true lies, true lies. And then, um, was it Titanic then? Yeah. Yeah. And so then, and now, uh, I mean, he has made documentaries and things like well, that. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying like, and you know, and he's, you know, basically, but what you a, want is, you know, the big budget action film. So, but when you think about that though, so like, you know, so in terms of like, so this has been a project he's been talking about for a while. Uh, so that was part of the reason why I wanted to see it too. It's like, there was a trailer that came out last summer for it. And I'm like, this looks interesting. And it was supposed to have a late summer release, which usually isn't a good sign for a film, but then it got pushed to February, which is still not a good sign for a film. Well, to so, be fair though, like that's changing. Black Panther opened in February. Well, last Deadpool year in opened blue. up in February. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and then, and even like uh, Winter Soldier came out like early March when it first came out. So like this, this time period for films doing well is changing. You're absolutely right. However, January till like you know March is usually like the dumping Typically, ground. Yeah, if yeah. you see something coming out in January, you're like, why didn't this come out last month? Yeah, it's not it's yeah. not for wars consideration. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> like so, um, so there's there's a couple reasons. Like I've, I've this has been on my radar, and also, um, you know, I don't know. It's just that I was interested in seeing a film that I really didn't know anything about. Like for being like the the people involved with it, like so that was something else. So and I mentioned it to you, and I know you said okay, I'll do, I'll go watch that. So was this something that you were conscious of before? Really, before I was conscious of it being a James Cameron project. I was conscious of the fact that it was directed by Robert Rodriguez. 
Um, the trailers really did not move the needle for me. Like there was okay. nothing that uh, other than like, and I meant to, before we started the show to look up what the actual definition of uncanny Valley is. Um, but where James Cameron lives, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's right by hidden, it's by, by a hidden ranch, you know, <laughs> I don't want to go too much into the whole, like, cause there were stories written about it and like people reacting poorly to the anime eyes of the main character. But yeah. I will say that that was one of my first things as I was like, Ooh, that doesn't work. Um, initially when I saw the yeah. trailers. So uh that was that was pretty much where I left it at. I I knew that there was a comic or manga um that the series was based on, but beyond that nothing else. So I'll, I'll just before I forget, I just I had had the note in my notes here that Steve sees that I went to the Wikipedia page for uh for the film Alita Battle Angel, which I, I wrote Alita Alita Battle Angel. I don't know why I did that. But it, but the quote the, the the very beginning like when you go to Wikipedia page it's always like did you mean this like to click for here like yeah. Yeah, as in like to see the film click here whoever wrote this they they need a kick in the I'm I'm one of bets a dude he needs a kick in the dick where it says not to be confused with the manga the film is based on Battle Angel Alita it's like screw you Wikipedia really <laughs> like you could be like to see the manga go here but it's like yeah. not to be confused like. <laughs> <laughs> really, I I this something about that wording pissed me off. But um, so yeah, uh, th- this I feel like we've we've lived in a world now where if something is a tentpole, then we probably already have a lot of knowledge about it going in. You're right. This was a manga series. It's actually from what I read, there's three different manga series, but this is dealing with the first one. Uh, this movie actually deals with four of the nine volumes, which. Think about that yeah. for a second. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, how we feel about the compression of the story. But this was a series that ran for a number of years, and I didn't really read too much into it because I know that some of the characters are kind of like either like algamations of a couple characters or they're changed. And that, you know, that's that is the creative license that someone takes from one, you know, one from one property from one medium and transfers it to another. Like I, you and I have talked about um, the Hellboy films mm-hmm. and, and like how the Magnolia comic, which I've not read a lot of. I know we've talked about, you know, art style and all that, but I know that those films are very much a departure from the comics, but that's the Magnolia was like, that's the Hellboy movie. That's not my comic. They can live. Like you said previously, these can exist side by side. Yeah. So I didn't want to go reading too much about the manga, though I'm not interested in it because I didn't really need to find out what the film didn't do. Yeah. And that sounds kind of weird, you know, but because I went in like not knowing what to expect because then like, so the, the you know, this whole thing, like we talked about the, this being a gestating project, like this was announced in early, early 2000s. Um, which I mean, I'm like, that's not that far along ago. And it's like, oh, it's been almost 20 years. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, Cameron picked that as a project. I was reading as well. Fox actually, uh, had some domain names bought at that time, which I think is kind of cute now <laughs> Like that. There's like someone at Fox is like, we got to jump on this, uh, battle angel Lita. This movie's coming. And you know, that person that made that purchase, they're like, they're now a janitor. They're like, you know, like, <laughs> like you, you really, you spent the company's money on that. I love anytime I see like uh, a news story, particularly this happens a lot with star Wars. It's like, uh, we just noticed that this domain no- name was purchased, you know, uh, Star Wars fart battles or whatever, you know, like, is that the possible, like, you know, episode nine title or like it happens like every year there's some sort of like somebody discovered that Lucasfilm bought the uh, fart awakens. Yeah. You know, something just something ridiculous or, you know, I, I was using that for comedy's sake, but like, no, it's, I mean, it's, I, I now believe that episode nine is now called. <laughs> 
uh, fart battles. <laughs> Star Wars Episode Nine: Fart Battles. You heard it here first on the show. No, uh, yeah, I like um, I, I, the Blizzard Entertainment, um, the you know the video game company. Anytime they have like a, just want to just reference, like they will talk about there's a new expansion coming to a video game, like to World of Warcraft, and there will be people watching the patent offices. For really? trade, like tra- sorry, not patent the trademark offices, yeah, because they'll like within 24 hours of them announcing the game, like the actual, like this is coming out, Blizzard will sneak it in and then get the, the trademark then as opposed to filing for it six months before because that will give away the what's supposed to be going on. Oh, so, like, like people okay. will watch the trademark offices to see what Blizzard's going to do because then they'll know for sure if that's an actual name or not. It's a weird thing to be watching, but th- it's been proven over and over again that they'll file for a trademark with like a day or two before an announcement. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Because they, just, they don't want people to know what they're doing. Well, that makes sense. Um, so maybe fart battles will be trademarked. We don't know. Maybe I'm going to go home and trademark that tonight. <laughs> yeah. Buy up the domain. Fart wars. I'm sure that's already happening. Um, so, so yeah, this, is, this has been something that Cameron's been passionate about for a while. But then a couple things happened. One... Uh, he believed that the technology to make this film wasn't there yet. And so it's much like Avatar where credit to Cameron, and I'm sure this is probably like a Thomas Edison thing where there's a lot of people around him and he was like, I'm the one that did it. Or maybe he is the one that did it. I don't know. He created all this like camera tech to make Avatar happen or worked with people to make it happen. So for him to have a vision of me, like I want to do this, but we don't have the ability to make it yet. He's like, I'll make it happen. So, the battle, um, uh, Alita Battle Angel has been one of those things that he just knew that the scope he wanted to treat it with, he couldn't physically do it. So that's part of it. And also, he had other projects, but the Avatar consumed him. And then once that became what it is, everybody wants more Avatar movies, which now we're going on 10 years till this next one. Uh, but he's making four of those, I think. Yeah. Um, and so... Which is interesting, because yeah. I, I did yeah, read no, a please. quote from Rodriguez just talking about the film. Um, that he was disappointed that Cameron wasn't going to do it, and like they'd had a kind of conversation. He's like, "Well, do you mind if I take a crack at it?" Da 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 da. But like within that conversation, he he said that Cameron believes that like the rest of his life will just be spent on Avatar. Yeah, that's I mean, which that's, is a weird thing to even think but, about. But the reason he picked the importance of that because he feels like people need to learn about like you know the environment. <laughs> that was his motivation of like we need to save the world, so I want to make these movies. Well, that's to that's save the world, fine and well, but yeah. like that's it, just to say like. You know, I, this is what the rest of my life is going to be is just kind of a bold thing. I, it know? is, yeah. And so I like that. So the 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 script that was written by Cameron, it was handed off to Rodriguez, and he was like, "If you can get this down to like two hundred page or one hundred twenty pages, and like you know a certain budget, well, I'll help you know make sure we'll get this happen." So. Rodrigo spent a couple of years trying to trim this thing down. He got it down to like 120 some pages. And I guess this thing was like over 300 pages or initially. Yeah. Like, so, and we haven't even talked about the movie improper yet. Uh, knowing that so much had to be condensed or, you know, streamlined. I, what, what I feel like we got was a pretty, um, pretty solid A to B story with a lot of stuff in the middle. Yeah. But I really don't like, do do you feel like there should have been bits maybe that should have been fleshed out more for sure but i it's just i think it was just a wonder that he was able to get as much world building in there as possible as he did with the 2 hours that was there mm-hmm. that that is crazy to me to realize that like, this was supposed to be like probably two movies that he crammed into one yeah um and this is rodriguez who you know he he's been on his own making movies and does what he wants to do like this is the first project i think he's done uh, where he didn't have absolute control over every 
over every aspect of it. So and, and, before we get into the yeah. f- the film, um, I just I'm curious to know what's your take on on Rodriguez. Like, oh, thank you. I, I should probably should started with that. Yeah, uh, I respect the hell out of him. Like the guy, mm-hmm. you know, like, even though their argument is saying that he made um, what was it, El Mariachi for like fifteen thousand dollars. I think was what they said at I the think time. It was less. Maybe. I yeah. mean, maybe I'm adjusting for inflation. I don't know. Um, though that may not be entirely true because just because you say you spent so much money on a film doesn't mean that there wasn't other money spent on it. Either way, it was a very low amount of money to make this film that was his directorial debut. And then to see some of the things that he knew how to get away with there, like there was one bit where, Oh, the whole thing involving the guitar case through the whole film that at one point they didn't have that actual guitar case. So someone's like, I got this one. They spray painted it black and they moved on and got a shot and they moved on. And then there's a sequence too, where someone's coming down um, a fire escape and uh, they only shot it once, but they cut away to another piece of action and they cut back and they were able to like show something else with like with editing as opposed to just being like, we can shoot multiple takes. Like they just did one long take and then they cut it into a couple bits for editing sake. And it's the smart moves like that, that I can appreciate. Um, I can appreciate that his troublemaker studios, which is his studio that he has in Austin, Texas. He has the capability to make anything that he wants there. And he has done that. Yeah. So I can respect all that. I can respect that. I'm um, like, like him and Tarantino are like buddies and they get along and, and Tarantino, like you could tell they have different sensibilities, but they also have a lot of things they like together. So like, um, uh, from, from dust till dawn, which is definitely two movies in one. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. Like there's the argument of like, maybe Tarantino took care of it the first half. I think he did the script, but Rodriguez just directed the whole thing. I'm, I forget how that went, but yeah, cause uh, he's starring in the film Tarantino. Yeah. So I believe Rodriguez directed it. So you could feel like that, that, that they have that kind of a good relationship and there was fun to be had there. And then like planet terror and death proof. Yeah. How they, which, they, I'm the only person I know who p- prefers Planet Terror. Like that's uh, you my know, preference. Of that's the two. funny. I went to go see Grindhouse in the theater. I think I was like one of seven people to go see it in the theater. I saw it in the theater as well. Okay, so con- thanks. We have something in common. Uh, I liked Planet finally, Terror. We have something finally. In common. Um, I thought all the dick talk earlier was going to be what made it happen, <laughs> but no. Uh, so I liked Planet Terror more than Death Proof when I saw it in the theater because mm. it was much more kind of what I was hoping for, and Death Proof was much more. Like it, it definitely, when you got to the whole big protracted car chase in the second half of that film, it's great, but Planet Terror was just so crazy to start that it kind of, I was expecting more out of Death Proof. Mm. Uh, watching Death Proof again, I think I like it more just for the straight, like there's some really crazy car stuff going on in that movie, but Planet Terror was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Rodriguez, like, like I respect that like uh, he had no problem saying, you know what? I'm going to make a series of children's films called spy kids. And I'm going to make a shit ton of money and, and appeal to a different like mindset, group of people. I'm going to let my kids write a superhero movie that we're just going to make. Like there's all this I like about him. Like I would love to hang out with Rodriguez. Yeah. I, I love that on special features for his movies. He teaches people how to cook. Like I love all that. Like sin City's a really cool movie. Haven't seen the sequel. I don't know if I want to, I don't know something that just didn't feel like it was much of anything. Um, I respect him as a filmmaker. I respect him as just getting out there and getting at it. Uh, I'm not a fan of all of his films though. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the, the, uh, the closest I could come to, you know, as far as, um, it's not quite like say with somebody like Rob zombie, like Rob zombie for me is either I, I, 
really like what he does or I just absolutely hate it. There's no in-between a lot of times for me with Rob Zombie. But with um, Rodriguez, I would say like half of his movies, I think, are just genius. And then the other half just don't appeal to me for whatever reason. Yeah, I... um, and when it comes to particularly like... So this is a whole different animal than like all of his other projects. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, this is certainly the one that's got the most, and I don't want to say big budget feel to it. No, it's, but it, it is his largest budget film he's ever worked on. Yeah, yeah. But I also kind of think of him as sort of a modern day John Carpenter in the sense that he's a guy who also writes scores for his movies. He's, he's kind of this one man band in a lot of ways for like, he's yeah. you know writing it, he's producing it. He's got his own effects house. Granted, like, Carpenter didn't have that available to him at that time, but like he he very much reminds me of Carpenter in that way, um, where he's writing, directing his own projects, and, and by having his own studio, he he can work outside the studio system, right? You know, and be like, I'm going to make this, and then somebody will distribute it, but I, I don't need, you know, yeah. Because I mean, for goodness' sake, I know you you said you'd seen the second Machete film, which I have not. The first one that who would greenlight that film? Yeah. You know, like I, I, he made it and, you know, he got it released. But what studio would be like, you know, we're going to put money behind this. Uh, this this was what was a joke trailer and uh, uh, Grindhouse mm -hmm. for a film that didn't exist. Yeah, we'll greet like that. You know, yeah, I, 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 it's interesting because I, I, I told you before that, you know, I don't remember if I've mentioned it on the show or if it's just been conversation with you you know that was actually my wife and i's first date was seeing machete in the theater um and there are so many crazy off the wall things that happen in that movie that are like the fact that he you know was like i'm gonna write a scene where he grabs the guy's intestines and jumps out a window and uses them <laughs> a rope as a rope like oddly enough that happens in elite battle too. No, um. uh that type of stuff is what i i really love about him just the balls to be like here's this crazy idea it's a thing that like the, the gun leg in Planet Terror makes no sense. It wouldn't work that way. No, but, but it's still like, badass. It's still badass, and it's it's a, a great idea, and it's a very fun invention. Um, so I, I admire a lot of that stuff about about Rodriguez. So I'm always willing to at least check out whatever he's doing, if, even if the material doesn't connect with me. So I think um, and, um, with him approaching Cameron saying, well, what's happening with Alita? And he's like, well, if you want to take a crack at it, I don't know who else. I mean, obviously, you could put some of the bigger names in there. You know, you could put Spielberg or whoever to make this type of film. But I don't know who who else would be more uniquely qualified to tackle a project that is effects heavy and green screen heavy uh, that could work on a budget and actually try to distill it, like you know a story down and keep it moving. I think Rodriguez is uniquely qualified. Yeah. Like as much as Cameron was building technology to make these movies, you know, you could argue not that Avatar is the same thing as Spy Kids or anything, but like still a very much similar proving ground. You know, mm -hmm. so um, I, there was a snippet I read somewhere that whenever um, Rodriguez was really considering this, um, Cameron and his producing partner uh, sat down, showed him some like previs of what they wanted to do of like, this is this is the scope of the film that we want. And then it kind of broke Rodriguez for a second of like, OK, well, can I try? <laughs> like, because like, like Cameron set the bar high. Yeah. Um, so and it's it's hard to like. This this does not feel like a Cameron film while watching it, but knowing that it's his script and there's these ideas in here, which he did take from a manga, there there is a lot of elements that you see that are very Carpenter-esque. Not Carpenter, uh, Cameron-esque. I just want to start talking about John Carpenter. Um, so do you feel that this is a Rodriguez film, or do you feel like this is Rodriguez's interpretation of a Cameron script? 
I feel like it's a Rodriguez interpretation of a Cameron script because okay. I, I felt that's the wrong answer. <laughs> I, don't have it it. <laughs> I felt that the craziness that I've come to love and uh, expect from Rodriguez's films, for the most part, was kind of missing from this. And I realized that like this is a PG movie or PG thirteen. Yeah. Um, so nobody was going to have their intestines ripped out and used as a, you know. But there was a, there was a, a lot of robot carnage in this that they could skirt the line. There was. There was a lot of robot decimation going on in this film. So, uh, you yeah. know, let's just get into the film proper because this, this brings up a good point. Yeah. And I, it's a revelation that I came out with of the movie is that I may not be as big of a science fiction fan as I think I am. Oh, so so your text to me last night wasn't really in jest. Because uh, you you texted me after you came out of the theater, yeah. like you're like you said this is the like the heart was it the the hardcore uh, remake of Solar Babies, yeah. and, I, and I was just like I didn't think about it that way. <laughs> Not because of that, but just because of the fact that um, I realized that for as gorgeous as this movie is, uh, it never connected with me. Okay, um, whether it be the story, the closest it came was Christoph Waltz's character of the Doctor, Doctor Ito, yeah, yeah. Um, Doctor Dyson Ito, where he made robots and vacuum cleaners. Yes, <laughs> um, his relationship with with Alita um, was as close as I came to actually like connecting with the characters. But okay. um, there were things that happened in the movie. Um, that are, and this is not a spoiler, but there's a, a scene that takes place where there's a bar fight. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching it, and like I'm like, oh, there's some really great stuff in here. But in my brain, I went to a place where I was like, you know, this reminds me of the scene in Serenity when, um, when, River, when gets, River is activated, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And I'm like, God, that works so much better. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I can't quantify it why, but like it's, it, when it happens, it's like this, minute-long kick-ass fight scene where you're like, oh my god, I can't believe this girl is whipping everybody in sight. And she, you know, I, and I'll, I'll just say this real quick, because I hadn't watched Firefly before I saw Serenity. So, like, that was my introduction to the character. I knew okay. nothing about her. Um, so, like, when that turn happened, I was like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah. Um, but I found myself comparing it to that. The rollerball, uh, murder ball, was it, what was it called? Motorball? Motorball. I think it was motorball. Murderball is that thing with people in the wheelchairs running around <laughs> trying to kill each other, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I'd watch a full-on movie about that. Not just the documentary. I'd watch it, yeah. <laughs> but like with that, I found myself thinking back to uh, the pod race scene in episode one where like even though the stakes weren't high, we knew that Anakin was going to win. And even though there's the terrible commentary going on from the two headed alien, there was sort of this feeling of like, I hadn't seen that type of thing before. Um, or I was just kind of involved in it on some level. And I never got there with this, unfortunately, like I never really felt like she was in danger during that scene. Um, when she's at the tryouts for mm-hmm. for motorball or actually at any point during the movie i never even even the big like uh, showdown in the middle whenever after the bar fight she ends up down in the world below like a la futurama like old old, yes. old new york or whatever <laughs> uh, she's new facing new off against um which by the way i did not realize that that was uh, jackie Earl haley playing that character of um oh, what's like his, Quinn, uh, 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 Gru, Gru, 
Grushka? Grushka. Grushka. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I didn't realize that was him. Like, I mean, I know it's just like a CG, like, cause they do like yeah. the mocap, but it's like, I always view him as like a small guy. And then, and then this character of Grushka kept getting bigger and bigger as the movie went on. Cause he kept losing. So they kept adding parts to him. Cause he was, a, a basically like a hired killer for like these people that are like, you know, running the underworld yeah. of, of, of iron city, not the beer people. And I, I will say this as well. And this is unfortunate for this actor, but like, uh, as I was watching, uh, God, please let me say his name right because I feel like I screwed up every time I say it. Mahershala yeah. Ali. Yep. Okay. Uh, the entire time I'm watching him because he's he's essentially the villain in the movie. Uh, I, I kept thinking, I'm like, wow, it's like a lesser version of Cottonmouth. Yeah, I just but I found myself making comparisons throughout I, the movie. But I, but I just he is such a cool presence. Like, I mean, like I'm not trying to defend him in this movie. I'm just saying, I'm just like, oh, I saw no. him show up. I'm like. Shit, this guy's awesome. You He's know? fine in the like, movie. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm just um, saying that, like, I had seen him already play a much better villain. That's I fair. Guess is what I'm saying. So, so what you're telling me is that all the things in this movie that connect with you connect with you better elsewhere. Is what you you keep saying? Yeah, like, um, and, and I knew that. That's when I found myself comparing it to other things. I realized that like there wasn't a connection going on with the movie. So okay, so my counterpoint to that uh, is like when the movie first started, uh, and it, this does this whole like you know I, I liked the 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 white from 20th century the 26th century. Yeah, I love it when movies do that whole thing of like we're bringing the title into the film. Like what was in Waterworld? Like they had the like the Universal Globe, and then it starts like flooding. You know? Yeah, you know, I mean, not like now or anything, but I like that. You know. I, I love when they do that. And then it just goes in this whole story about what year it is and how it's 300 years past the fall. And then you're into the movie. Like I kind of appreciate sci-fi that just kind of dumps you in and gives you like a little bit of going goings on. Um, so, but then within the first like 15, 20 minutes of the film, you got, you know, Christoph Waltz finding this, you know, um, half of a you know, cyborg in this trash heap right by the Wally robot. Not really. Uh, and then he brings it back to his repair shop and, and all of this stuff. And it's very fast. And it's like, it's, and you're talking about like the not connecting emotionally. I could see that those, it was one of those things where I'm watching this. I'm like, there's things going on in this movie. That's like really fast. Uh, in terms of time, like even early going on, she's like out and about like the next day being mm -hmm. independent, like literally the next day. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a little weird. But then like, I kept telling myself, is this any different than how fast uh, a new hope starts off with a lot of what's going on with Luke and him just getting to, you know, uh, was it to the cantina and then off to whatever, like granted the movie stays a little bit more beginning with like, you know, with R2 and C3PO while they're in the desert. But there, there are very fast plot and character jumps that happen in A New Hope. See, which is interesting because one of the complaints that I hear against the original New Hope from people who are younger, who either prefer the prequels or you know the the sequel era or or whatever, yeah, they're always like. Star Wars is so slow. See, I disagree. I, I think the New Hope just it, it gets off to the I'm races. I'm not disagreeing with no, you. No, I'm no. just saying that that's the so maybe this is the movie that like this is made for that audience. Maybe I don't know. You know like I, mean? I feel like, like, the, like a, there's a there's some. I will we'll give Rodrigo's credit since he had to squeeze you know 300 pages into 120. That there are these little character beats with Alita that I like the whole bit when she's first handed an orange and she just tries to biting into it. It didn't mm -hmm. quite work out. And then like and then she's introduced to chocolate and she's like I have a favorite 
food now. Like I like oh yeah those, those little moments of like awakening to the world around her, and I like that because her memory was wiped, which is a very convenient movie thing. But she acts as a surrogate for the audience, where Ito's walking around trying to explain, uh, you know, the fall and um, what's the name of the city? Zathura. Uh, Zathura. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, the city is like uh, what is it called? It's like. Scrim or something? That's not right. Um, it's a Zardoz. Zardoz, yes. It is uh, uh, Zalem. Uh, Zalem. It's Zardoz. It's Zardoz. It's a big, giant floating head that just pukes out guns. <laughs> um, you know, and that's... <laughs> At least, you know, say what you want about Alita. It is not, um, it, it's a lot going on that you have questions about. It's not the same amount of questions that you ask while watching Zardoz. I'll give you that. Um, so when you have Ido kind of walking around explaining the world to her, and you kind of see Iron City, which is like the city below Zalem, uh, and you see, like, I liked, I liked how the whole world seemed compact because it was because it's really literally under this floating city. And that's pretty much what's like left of like humanity, which I don't understand that part, but I didn't think too hard about it. Uh, but then you see like all the different like um, box cars, not box cars, but like the um, shipping container stacked mm-hmm. Th- that if you end up watching ready player one, you're going to see similar imagery. Uh, Rodriguez like realizes it much better where this feels like a world you're living in. Um, I liked, I liked that. I liked, um, I don't know. I just feel like just because it's the future doesn't mean the clothing changes all that much. Did mm-hmm. you see all the people walk around with like sling packs and like khaki shorts on? Yeah. Like they're being tourists. I kind of understand. So anyway, I, I like, I, there's a lot of, that came in very quick. Uh, the relationship with Jennifer Connelly and uh, Christoph Waltz is very fast. Yeah. Um, and like, I mean, when you say very fast, it's literally a scene. Yeah. That's it. Um, and so like, I, I will give you, I will give you all of that. I will agree with you. Um, but I feel like at least the film follows Alita through the whole thing. So even if the world around her moves super fast, I feel like her her arc of her character is pretty well established throughout. Like yeah. I feel like they did a good job of of making you give a shit about her. Um, I also like that um, there was the shortcutting of like she doesn't know who she is. But then when that century robot's walking through the street, she's immediately in a defensive pose and she, and there's no, she doesn't question herself. She's there about to do it. And then the, I don't know, the male lead who I did not care for, uh, the love interest, he's kind of commenting on it, but she didn't think twice about it. So I liked, there was, I don't know, there was enough there that I was like, okay, don't overthink the beginning. This is going to be kind of one of those breakneck like, you know, movies with a bunch of information in here, just kind of see how the rest of it goes. And I was able to kind of park my expectations early, seeing how fast they're going through stuff. Yeah. And I don't ever feel like the movie is either shoehorning stuff in or, um, for lack of a better term, like just throwing exposition at me for no reason. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I think that the movie is beautifully shot. I think it's gorgeous to look at. Um, there were times where, like, and again, uh, this goes back to the Uncanny Valley thing of possibly, like, me not being able to, I, I guess, uh, the best way that I can put it is, is that, you know, when I was a younger, like, I didn't question special effects, and maybe I just know too much now, where, like there'd be a shot of a cyborg and it's literally a face on a cyborg that my brain's just not buying it. Whereas like, you know, 30 years ago, if it had been like in RoboCop, if it had been stop motion, making pig noises, right. I'm down. (laughs) I I wouldn't have had an issue with it. So like, 
I tried to keep that separate from like my experience watching the film. Like anytime that I felt like I was being pulled out by that kind of thing, I tried to remind myself like you've seen uh, way uh, way more movies with older special effects doing similar things, and you didn't blink twice about it. Other than like, yeah, it's not a great effect. So like, and they're clearly great effects. I don't mean to say that there's not like a bad oh, effect in this entire I movie. I mean, you, like you see but, some of where it's like, like did they need to go like that route with it? Like I, but like the hunter killers. They were all. They all had their own look to them. I thought yeah. that was cool. Uh, wait, we mentioned we got to mention Ed Screen as Zapan because you just talked about a robot with the face walking around. Yeah, Ed Screen was a uh, Francis from Deadpool. So anytime he was on screen, I'm like, that's Francis, <laughs> and he, he pretty much act like Francis. Like, He's a douche. <laughs> he just has that face, yeah. which is the only part that you see of him. So good. <laughs> like, uh, I did like, and I guess that this is a spoiler, but I did like. His whole thing is his face, his vanity. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like what happens to him at the end, I really like that. I, but did you did you also? I don't know how you felt about like with the the with these hunter killers, which they're they're kind of just like these bounty hunters for hire that go out and collect bounties in the Iron City, uh, and so they all kind of have their niche of what they do. Him, it's like he you know is, has the, he's all basically all cybernetic except for his face, but his back is this kind of weird like. Like Incan Mayan, I know this probably I'm not identifying it correctly, but like this almost like the circular like pattern yeah. on his back that's all done in metal with like a skull, and it, it looks like a back tattoo, but it's like cybernetic. It's a it, tramp stamp, it, but it's it's really cool looking. Yeah. And it's like and it's like one of those things where it's like you don't know his story, you don't know why he chose that, but he did. And it's just something that kind of informs him. Like you have a, uh, uh, which I did realize that was Jeff Fahey in the bar with all the dogs. Yeah, I actually I wanted more of Jeff Fahey, oh, and I was too. disappointed that I yeah. didn't get it. But I looked at him, and I was like, he's just this old like like old like cowboy looking dude with yeah. all these robotic dogs around him. Uh, and it's like it's just I was like that's Jeff Fahey, and it's like of course it's Robert Rodriguez <laughs> film. You gotta have Jeff Fahey in here, and I loved I loved the look of him. They gave him like a wine and a half in the film. Um, if they ever do an Overwatch film, and they need an older character for Jesse McCree. You, know, I want Jeff Fahey to be old robot <laughs> cowboy. Um, like there was just I liked, uh, and then there was the one. Um, what's the one with all the the knives? Was it Makiomi? Um, was that the one they talked about? There's the one, the one robot that had the female face that was oh, under yeah. wraps, and she was basically like a spider. Like they're like for for as much as we like you probably talk about how like in an uh, empire or whatever you see like, all the different bounty hunters yeah i like that all these guys all these hunter killers had like their own thing and oh yeah that's, they're like, all cool designs yeah. and i like that um ito he's a hunter killer yeah and it's like he's just a dude but he has like a rocket powered hammer like i just that made me so happy like to see like he's like i'm not a robot but i could beat the shit out of you with this hammer like <laughs> I, I just there's there's just bits in here that it's like I, I just appreciate the thought though in it. I mean, you could talk about the emotional connection and all that, and I, I can I can agree with that. I just for a movie about the discussion of what makes someone human and what makes someone, you know, that because Alita is trying to find that connection the entire time, right? Because she has a human brain, she knows that she's from somewhere, but she's basically a cyborg. Uh, and then the other character of um, Hugo, which he was okay, just. Did you not feel like the first like few times you saw him wearing that black uh, bandana? I said you like Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. <laughs> and and here's like, the <laughs> you're directing your younger self like falling in love with the robot Rodriguez. What are you saying here? Here here's my thing with the character of Hugo, and I actually didn't have any problems with his performance. Or I thought where he was he fits okay in the story. 
but I never really got anywhere with their relationship. I know I'm supposed to yearn for the two of them. It was so fast, like everything else in the film. And then the, the bit where she says, I'll give you my heart. It's like, yeah. this is supposed to be a thing. And it didn't really feel right. Yeah, like, it didn't resonate. So I liked at least that whenever he's like, no, 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 put your heart back on your chest. And she's like, whoa, that was pretty intense. I like that little yeah. like... Like that kind of like we're going to brush this off and move on. And I do like the character of Alita. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Like I, I did enjoy her character. Um, I do think that like had maybe they eliminated the whole boyfriend subplot mm-hmm. and just focused on her relationship with her father, it might have been a better. Uh, I should say a better movie, but it might have connected with me, I guess, more as a viewer. That's fair. I just, um, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have a problem with the love story. I mean, when you talk about Cameron's script, that felt like that had to happen you got to have something there even though she's a strong woman she still needs a dude you know like i don't know what that says but uh i i don't know like i it it was okay it was predictable in that sense um but i just i i liked i liked her as a character in the sense that like she was still trying to figure out her place in the world but then the moment she started to kind of get an idea who she was she didn't want to back away from it like like um the whole notion of like she is this like ancient weapon that the, the the tech that made her doesn't exist on earth now because it just doesn't there anymore and how she was like pro her type of, of, of what they called it a berserker like was supposed to be like the most like advanced weapon that the the, the mars people uh what the erm the um, united republic yeah. of mars had made knowing that she was basically made just to just create death surrounding her and then ito's like but you know that's a shell you have a choice. Like it's on the nose, but it's, it's the whole movie's all about trying to figure out who you are and being comfortable in your own skin. And she literally has to change her skin like halfway through the film. Yeah. You know? So I, I, I liked it. I just, yeah. And, and I, I like, guess I'm not trying to defend it. I'm just saying that the, I completely understand what you're saying. I, it, 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 I, I'm not saying I was like weeping my, you know, crying my eyes at my large eyes at the end. I wasn't crying them out, but <laughs> it, it did, it did more, that I was expecting it to, so I enjoyed it all the way through. Yeah, and what I'll say is, is that, you know, I made the comment about, like, maybe I'm not as big of a science fiction fan as I think I am. Like, I, I it's, it's hypocritical of me, because I will, if there's a great special effect in a horror movie, I'll, I'll be, be more than willing to give that movie a little bit more of a bump than, uh, than I would a science fiction movie because like this, there's nothing visually that I could pick apart in this movie. Like it's gorgeous to look at. Like I, the, it's like the ornate detail a, on her initial body is really pretty to look. I don't it's know a visual they, feast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when it comes to the actual like story, I'm like, well, why am I harder on this than I would be on certain other things? I, I don't and, think the story is that much different than a Star Wars story. That's the thing. It's like uh, you say you're you not take sci- that bet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, you say you don't like sci-fi. I would argue Star Wars is sci-fi more fantasy with sci-fi in it like in the sense of like they don't really go hard on the tech side of things i mean unless you're trying to beat the kessel run and then you have weird things happen in solo i don't know <laughs> um but like this like there's there's even hand waving here like when she gets her rig their second rig and there's like the plasma events mm-hmm. and Ito's like he's like i don't know i didn't build it like, there's no user manual like that's a good hand wave away to be like you probably have like special abilities in you that i have no idea what's going on right and you can get away with it by being like that's tech we don't know like with like and that's the force we don't know like so i, I don't think that this is that and it I'm not trying to say how dare you not like this because it's not Star Wars. I'm just saying that it feels like it, you. It's not that far off from it, like like that kind of same idea of the haves and have-nots, like you know the like the the constant threat of you know 
of like this is literally a city in the sky, but it could might as well be the empire, you know, because everything serves it. Like you could have some of those same things. Um, also, uh, sport that keeps people distracted, so that way they're not thinking about what's above them. I mean, you could have a lot of these common man being put in their place, you know. Yeah, so. but you know, the reverse of that is is that you know, and granted, I haven't watched Discovery, but um, you know, we'll go the reverse of that, like with Star Trek. Star Trek, for a lot of its life, was a low-budget low show with characters that I, I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't so much the science fiction trappings that I got caught up in. So I guess the point that I'm making is is that like I just always thought that, like, oh, yeah, horror, sci-fi, comics, that's my, that's my jam. Uh, I'm starting to realize that I'm harder on science fiction, we'll put it that way, than I am of either like a comic book film or a horror film. I'm just realizing that about myself. I'm not trying no, to no, like, no, I'm not, like this isn't put an it argument. Down. No, I'm like, just saying that like um here's here's one. And this one I will say had something to do with everyone telling me it was the greatest goddamn movie ever made uh when it came out until I finally got to sit down and watch it. But like I was the person who watched The Matrix and was like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> and like everybody was like, what is wrong with you? And like you know, I still think it's an okay film. Like I, I, I well, I think this still falls in the same route. Like I think you and I've talked about this before with like the the newer Star Wars films. Like I have not been disappointed by any. Like I mean, seven because it just it felt like more of this. Like it was purposely trying to retread. Yeah, but I've not been disappointed by any of them all that much. I was hoping that uh, Rogue One would be different, but I feel like I've been so middle of the road with all of them that like it's it like. I know you have strong opinions about some of them. And I know there's other people out there that have strong opinions the other way. I just can't be compelled to feel like what, like one strong way or another about it. So it makes me wonder, am I, am I as big as a star Wars fan as I thought I was? So mm-hmm. I can see, I see your point. Like, um, and I, I'm not trying to defend this film. I, because well, no, I, because for something I'm not trying to shit on it no, either. No, for something that's built upon the artifice of all these people trying to find perfection by removing the humanity, by adding more and more parts, uh, if you tell me that this film didn't emo- connect with you emotionally, that almost feels like it's ironic because the, the whole mm-hmm. point is that the heart of this film is Alita, but this whole film is about this artifice of everybody for the, a lot of people like augmenting themselves. So if something comes off that's mechanical and it's not feeling emotional, you know, so I, here's, you know. here's my other question is that like, did you have any trouble getting around the eye thing? Because before uh, I saw the movie on HBO, there was like, I don't know, it's like a 10 minute thing of Rodriguez and the actress who portrayed her. Mm-hmm. And like, this was before I saw the movie and I was looking at her, I was like, why, why can not they just use her like face? Like, I was hoping you'd tell me that they first put on a pair of glasses on her that were like the old person glasses no. that made her eyes really big. And they're like, that didn't work. We could do better. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, everything that I've read was, is that it seemed like they really felt like the anime eyes was integral to the film, at least it's visual style. Because this is a manga, and there's like there's there's a lot of that with the eyes being super expressive in manga. I can't speak to a lot of it because I haven't read a lot of it. But I uh, so there were I didn't realize that the entirety of her was a CG creation. Not meaning that I wasn't I wasn't like I was stupid the idea that she's walking around this body. But there was a lot of times where she was wearing clothing. So I thought maybe it was just an issue of they had the actress with the clothing on, then they had like the green sleeve sleeves on, and they just worked around it. I didn't realize that 
the entirety of her. I mean, she is motion captured by the actress. Yeah. And when they're doing the motorball scenes, I guess they brought in like an official person that was really good at like, you know, almost like roller, like roller derby skating. Mm-hmm. And they had her skate side by side with her to capture her face for the performance. There's, so there's a lot of smart moves going on there. I didn't realize that Alita was completely a, like a, a CG creation. Yeah. Um, knowing that in hindsight, it's damn near seamless in a lot of ways. And there was, there were sequences like when she, uh, came up out of the water and the control module of the arm ship and the, the lake. Um, Oh, that underwater scene's beautiful. Yeah. But like you asked me, like, did the ice take me out of it? If that's like, so I'd say like ever so often I would notice it, but then I'd I'd catch myself not noticing it. If that Mm. makes sense. Like I felt like the, if she was further away, it didn't bother me. It was yeah. when we were in like close-ups that it that would... that's fair. I just but there was so much there that like I, I actually had to remind myself of like that that isn't that isn't normal in the sense that like that's not how you know the human eyes aren't that big. Well, so credit to them that my mind kept checking out. Yeah, because I was buying it. You know, like I guess for me, um, the best like. And it, I, I don't want to even say it's a comparison, but... Dr. I'm, Manhattan's penis from Watchmen. <laughs> no, I'm going to go back to uh, the Hulk, uh, the Eric Bana mm-hmm. 2003 Ang Lee Hulk. Um, one of the things that that movie tried to do was it was like, I'm going to try and use certain aspects of comics and throw them into the film where it was like, oh, it's going to break the the screen up into like a comic book With page, the framing the of the edges and yeah. shifting from panel to panel. But it's like, that's all... That's... <sighs> The reason that you break things up panel to panel is to show a progression of actions within the story. It's not. It's a, it's it's your camera telling you things that are going on, and sometimes mm-hmm. it switches back and forth. But like, it doesn't work for it to be because you're, you're making five a different film, things, not a comic yeah, book, right? Yeah. And I would argue that that's almost the same idea here. I just don't think that it. So here, here, here's here's an example I'm gonna bring up that I know it's not gonna sit well with you. So I, I apologize oh, in advance. Oh uh, no! Here it comes. So, um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I know that's a film that we've talked about off you know off air that I know that you have feelings about, but uh, the, Feel, have deep feelings. No, about. but it's like there that is that book was written as a manga. I mean, it was Canadian manga, so manga. I don't know. Um, it was there is so much there that has much more of those trappings of like the sudden facial expressions and then like the things actually shown in frame mm-hmm. that feels more in line with the com like a comic book like a manga. But for some reason the style there I think works really well and Edgar Wright was smart to be able to incorporate elements of the book into the movie and still get that vibe across. Right. Um so I've not read, you know, um uh Battle Angel Alita or whatever that's called Gunum, I think in, in uh the in Japan. I've so I've not looked at any of that artwork, but um, for trying to get me to close to like photorealism for like a manga look without going like completely crazy with it. I was okay with it. I think the completely crazy part was more showing people that were humans at one point that were kept modifying themselves into these grotesque monsters that were on the motor, uh, motorball field. Like there's that one that had like draping arms for no, re- I don't know what some of that looks like, like it could have easily been in from beyond if it was just covered in flesh yeah. and not like it just, so I it just, it was, I'm sure that there was a point there to them saying these were people that are trying to make themselves look more alien and machine like, and she is just trying to be more human. And so I think the eyes, no one else had eyes like her. Uh, but I don't know. Like I just, I, I didn't think it, 
I don't disagree with the decision. Uh, I mean, I don't know how I would have done it, but I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I I guess it's, that's the manga it's police visual, coming for me right now. <laughs> I mean, it's a visual thing, and it is silly to get hung up on it. And I I like I said, I would try to remind myself if I found that kind of thing taking me out of the film to try and remind myself, like, hey, this is something you probably would have let slide in another movie. Like, so what about something like Deadpool's mask moving as he talks with his eyes animating and everything, or like even like Spider Man with like you know Homecoming with his, yeah. with his irises like that they they actually the eyes animate his emotions whenever. Like it's a smart we 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 talked about how it's a smart move like to make the tech make that do that because yeah. that's how the comics worked but like you know is it something that's more forgivable for you because you're like well Deadpool's face is animated so because realistically it would just be the same dead white eyes as he's talking through a mask yeah and I guess maybe the fact that uh, it is Deadpool and he's sort of a world unto himself um, in a lot of ways that maybe I'm I'm less forgiving of it but at the same time like. What's your, you know, what's your, um, um, what's the compromise, I guess, is the best way of putting it, you know, like, the, I guess I don't have problems with it, you know, because the funny thing is, is that, like, when I see that, I'm like, I, I kind of want a Batman movie where they do that with the mask. Yeah, just like, kind of let it just be him. Like, the white eyes, yeah, because yeah, that's with the visual that we're used to. So what about so, like with Avatar with the Na'vi? Like, they're complete CG creations. Um, I have to confess something. I've never you've never seen, seen Avatar? Avatar. <laughs> well, there's these blue people. this offline. There's blue people called the Na'vi. <laughs> I, I mean, I know the basic premise of it. It was a movie that I kept meaning to see in the theater, um, and then I I'm didn't. sure if you watch now, you'd be like, I just can't believe these blue people. <laughs> Um, I don't have a good excuse for not having seen it. But no, it's fine. I, like, I mean, I, I don't like, you know, there's certain... It's like the movie that everyone's seen and I'm like, ah, I didn't get around to it. <laughs> well, you didn't see E.T. How was E.T.'s eyes for you <laughs> when we watched E.T.? They were wonderful because okay. they were practical. No. But, um... <laughs> now you're going to just start switching out Alita with E.T., right? You're just going <laughs> to... And again, it wasn't like a huge thing. It was just that like, for me personally, I kept thinking, I can't, I can't help but wonder if if she had that actress's just face, if it would work better for me. And maybe maybe I wouldn't have had that had I not seen that bit before going to see the movie. Mm-hmm. So that was just stuck in me. So you, you make a valid point because, like I, I said, if if they made, made a Batman movie and they did the Deadpool thing with his eyes, I'd be all about it. Because I'd be like, oh, man, that looks awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, so I, I don't know. I, I guess your mileage may vary. I mean, in terms of like, people out there like i got over it like it wasn't i mean you're it's something it is different but then again like i'm okay like i um i feel like that sometimes i wanted an experience in the theater that i hadn't had in a while which is like something i wasn't familiar with when in i ended up catching this at the xd 3d like viewing so i had the huge screen with 3d and the crazy sound so maybe that affected my experience because Mm -hmm. like like the the hits when they hit were hard and crunchy and it was like good just deep bass with like the fights and things like whenever um jackie rohaley's fighting fighting her and you know uh underground like darkness city when he hits the ground like like he thumps it's like it was just you could feel it in your chest like it was it was cool yeah. like and i liked his uh whatever they called his uh claw fingers i thought that was cool too i thought that was like an interesting you know thing of the film um i don't it just is this going to be my favorite film of the year no is it going to be something i'm going to own on blue when it comes out probably not is it something i'd like to revisit again 
Absolutely. I think, and I also, I give this film credit for the balls it has to end the way it does. Like I respect that it gives you the entire arc of the character in terms of like what you yeah. know about her and where she's at. Um, and then just seeing, by the way, whenever the, the character of Nova, the, the main bad guy, before he took the sunblocker eye pieces off his face, I was like, is Dana Carvey the bad guy? Like, I was like, that looks like, is that really Dana Carvey? Are we going there? And it was Ed Norton. Like, I just like, holy shit. Oh, yeah, I wasn't going to say that. I didn't know if you were going to say that. But yeah. I actually had the reverse reaction in at least that sense. I was like, a reveal should be not like we're revealing an actor, but like it should have been a reveal. Like, usually a reveal is to reveal something about a character. No, or I agree. Somebody who's no, actually, no, you're absolutely right. But I'm like, wow, it just ends with ed norton like you're supposed to be like wow it was ed norton the whole time no and then and, and rodriguez they, there's an article that just came out like yesterday that uh of, of him and um what was it oh uh there's two other people that they didn't talk about being in the film but they were in there it was uh um oh uh who was it what's her face from avatar which in it uh, rodriguez uh um shoot I forget her first name. It's gonna it's gonna bug me now. Uh, Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly was it, but it wasn't Jennifer Connelly. The the other, they got um, they got uh, what's her name from the Fast and Furious and, and Lost to to be in it. Uh, um, her last name. So it's weird. It's Rodriguez. I want to look it up. Anyway, she was the other the other erm like the other battle angel person that was kind of like the leader for. Oh Arena. yeah, I didn't. Uh, oh Michelle Gina, Rodriguez. Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah, that's it. She she was that character, and then they got. Um, Is she an avatar? Yeah, she's an avatar I didn't as well. Know that. Yeah, well, since you haven't seen it, you wouldn't. You wouldn't yeah. know that. Um, well, like I know it's always all done, isn't it? And they got uh, Jai Courtney to be the 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 one champion, the motorball champion oh. that he was wearing the gold armor. So it's like I was like, do you really want the guy from Terminator Genesis in this film? <laughs> but, okay, <laughs> so they got him in there, and then Rodriguez was like, you know, we don't have we we're not greenlit for a sequel. I don't have a script for a sequel. However, he's like those three characters would factor into a story later. So I wanted to get people like names. Like, so he kind of pulled some strings and was like, Hey, we may not make another one of these, but do you want to come in and like, kind of just be this for a second? Cause if, if we make a second one, then you firmly have a, a, a you know, a person in place. Yeah. So I, I didn't, you're right. It's like the whole thing of I acted classes off. I'm Ed Norton. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, so what? You know, but, but, um, but it was like, like, but that's not the ending I'm talking about. The ending is her, realizing that she wants to get up to Zellum and the only way to get up there is to be final champion of motorball yeah. and the way she's staring down that city when she's like there at the podium waiting or the, whatever the stand is, it's like, she's like challenging. She's like, I'm coming for you. That kind of thing. Like, why didn't she just keep climbing the thing though? I don't know. I, I feel like they would have sent another weird, spinny thing to go after her but she already just like all video games you know how to get past it once you can get past it again yeah um but i like that the movie gives you the character arc but then it's like by the way there's something bigger coming but it doesn't take away from the rest of the movie it's like that's some balls to have the movie end on the what happens next and not in the whole like you know i i feel like there's some movies that could end with like the potential of a, a sequel like this movie could end with the credits and be like, okay i get it but you know there's more there where if there is a sequel coming, that's cool. But if not, you still get this movie kind of kind of like before they greenlit the, the second two Matrix films. You get the ending of like, oh, well, Neo's going to go screw some shit up now. And it's like, you know, like, you know yeah. like cool. We don't know what, like, the, but we got a full movie with the Matrix. See, that's the thing. Uh, and I, this is veering off topic. But like the, the one problem that I had with Matrix Reloaded going into Revolutions was is that um, 
it literally just ends. And there was one of the the um, oh crap, I can't think of the name. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence uh, Hunger Games movies yeah. that ends this sort of way. That's just sort of like a to be continued, like it's yeah. a TV movie. I I always feel like if you're gonna do that, it should be a movie that can sit on its own. Yeah, without like like you can leave plot lines open and things like this. This actually would almost end better as a second film, where you're like, "There's more to the story." Or, well, I but, guess the point that I'm making is, is that like, whenever there's like a to be continued at the end of a, a of a movie, if that means that I can't enjoy that entire film without knowing that I'm going to be going into something else that's mm-hmm. going to have to finish it out. Um, I mean. I don't know. That's just me personally. I think a movie should stand on its own without having the two be continued. And I, I'll say that that that's very smart of this movie. And yeah, I, it has her triumphant and defiant. Yes, you know, and that, that I think that's cool. There's places it can go. Yes. Yeah. So and and um, you know, um, love interest is gone. So I'm okay. <laughs> like you know, he just falls to the wayside. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of at the point where I'm like. What was the point of her saving him only to kill him off? Like, yeah, well, but did you notice that he was in the same shape she was in? Like he, like what was left of him was pretty much what was left of her after her second fight with um, Jackie Rohaley's character, like the shoulder yeah. and the one arm. So, and then someone was able to come in and save her. But you know, so did there- you buy Jennifer Connelly's oh. turn? Well, no. yes and no. I mean, it was kind There's of no sudden. reason for it. But what? So. This is this is a spoiler on a spoiler. Do you know why they are called spoilers? How would you feel about Jennifer Connelly becoming a subscription box? Like at the end there. <laughs> like you, if you just pay a flat fee, you're gonna get a box of Connelly oh, sent yeah. to your house. Like for a PG thirteen movie, it's just like holy shit. Like you know, yeah, like she, mean, she defied, you know, uh Marshall Ali. She defied Cottonmouth. Uh and you know, and um you know, and Ed Norton, we find out. Yeah, um, and uh, she's basically a brain and eyes in a jar. Yeah, like hands and everything. And yeah. it's like it's just like oh, no one goes up to Zalem in one piece. They just want the best parts. It's like, and they open this box for a second. It's like there's the Connolly bits. All right, yeah. close it up, and it's, it's like holy shit, that was so fast and disturbing. Yeah, that I'm like. Wow! Like you hear the, the you, <laughs> you hear the phrase that someone got fridged, and I think that's literally what happened there. Yeah. No, her character. Like I, I got the notion that like they once you find out more of the complete story between her and um, her husband, her well, the doctor Ito, and what they were before everything kind of happened, which is very fast. Like if you're not paying attention, you may not be very apparent that what they were. Yeah. So I feel like that part kind of informs more of like like their story of that they, they came down together, they tried this, it didn't work out, like the the daughter died. And then, so she went her own way in the sense of like, you know. Trying to readjust, sorry. No, uh, um, <laughs> you're just calling for order to the court there. Um, I Her turn's kind of sudden, but I at least feel like there was the grounding that she had been in a relationship with Ido, who's always been trying to fight the good fight. Mm-hmm. So they had to have been together for a reason to begin with. I'm not trying to soft pedal it. It is very sudden. But I still like Jennifer. Jennifer Connelly's in a high concept science fiction movie. I'm down with that. I just like that. Uh, yeah, no, I had no problem with her performance. Yeah. But like her, you know, her turn is very sudden and doesn't have a whole lot of merit to it. Yeah. Particularly since her entire thing is that she just wants to get back home. Yeah, that's true. So I, I'll give you that. So, all right. Um, yeah. So uh, Alita, Battle Angel. Uh, I liked it. Steve didn't. I'm <laughs> sorry. 
<laughs> no, I mean, I, I liked it. I just wished I'd have connected with it. That's like, fair. No, that's fair. So you're going to go see it again? Uh, no, no, um, <laughs> I mean, if you are going to go see it, it's visually gorgeous. And, yeah. like, it's... Like I said, it's I, you're not going to see anything else like it right now in theaters. Yeah, like, like and I I saw it in the, the XD of the, the surround sound and the 3D glass. It was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and, and if there was people talking in that theater, I couldn't hear them because the movie was so loud. I was okay with that. Yeah, uh, I, I was thankful that no one was talking during my screening. So yeah, so I, I liked it. Um, but like, so if we give it a star rating, I think what I did in my letterbox, I think I gave it like a three and a half out of five. That's about where I'm at. Like, I liked it when I watched it again. Yeah, I think I think my wife would like it um, a lot, uh, just because of like just like it's cool. Like same thing with Captain Marvel. It's cool to see, um, you know. A, a story about a character who's trying to find themselves that isn't de- like, even though there's the love story there, she isn't as dependent. Like she's not as dependent upon Hugo cause she's still going to, she's going to like, find her way yeah. on her own terms. It's just that she happened to fall in love in the meantime. Um, so I just, I think it, this could be a film that like, you know, like a, a kid that's like 10, 11, 12 that sees this, this is going to be their favorite movie for like a long time, mm-hmm. you know, and their parents are gonna be sick of watching it. Um, so yeah, anyway, if anybody, uh, if, if you guys have seen it, you know, and and want to comment, please, uh, you know, go on our Facebook page. Uh, no spoilers there. I think, I think that still would be appropriate. Um, so people, you know, I mean, it's only been out a week. Yeah. That'd be unfair. Uh, let us know what you think there. Uh, you can find us on invasion, the That's where our blog is, where I finally got my, uh, review or my write up on new year's evil up there for, for better and for worse. That was that was not Battle Angel. Sorry, it was not Alita Battle Angel. That movie made me mad the entire time. Um, yeah. uh, so you can find the blog there. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, Google Music, uh, wherever you find your podcast. Rate and review us would be greatly appreciated. And people, how can and people, people did, that, did how, that last time too? And Steve, how can people find you? You can find me at the Saturday Night Slasher You can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the Saturday Night Slasher. Although I believe on Twitter it's just the Saturday Slasher. I'm going to be at uh, Retro Invasion Weekend May 29th through June 1st, I believe, uh, or. Uh, I should have this memorized by now. I should be much better at my publicizing. But I'm going to be at Retro Invasion Weekend in Westlake, Ohio, uh, end of May, beginning of June. Uh, and also, just uh, haven't um, announced it on our page yet, but uh, we are also going to be at Dark X-Fest, which is being held by the same people who did uh, Dark Christmas, or Dark Xmas, um, back in November. Um, it's going to be in Hudson, Ohio. I believe it's at the end of June as well. Um, so it'll be like, uh, we'll have an appearance at the end of, uh, May, uh, and then we'll have an appearance at another convention at the end of June. We're trying to line up some other things for throughout the year, but, uh, we'll keep you updated and I'll tell you more about that show as we go. All right. So we're going to do our our quick award ceremony here and then, um, yeah. So I, I, let me, let's transition. (laughs) I don't know. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. I, I didn't know how to pivot out of that. I mean, we can't cut to an ad for selling mattresses or like you know box services for food. I do feel like uh, like I could sense that you're like we're over two hours again. We're over two that's, hours. That's my fault. But no, my it's fault. not your fault. But like it- I should pivot to an ad about hey, were you looking to buy Jennifer Connelly in a box? You could go ahead and uh, subscribe to that service. Oh, I should probably cut that out. That's that's past spoiler territory. Shit.
I uh, will, you're fine. I'll, I will not bleep any of that out. So I don't sorry, think guys. that's major spoilers. <laughs> Uh, she was dead the whole time. Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, after after Requiem for a Dream, can you really be alive? That's, that's my. <laughs> so anyway, it's not really a game, Steve. Uh, we it's the Oscars this weekend. Yeah, the Oscars are this weekend, and I thought wouldn't it be fun if we had our own uh, sort of awards here. But basically, there'd be you know uh, invasion special awards. So you're you're not going to find much that's going to be popping up this weekend on the Oscars. Um, but I I will say that this is sort of a pilot, a test run. There's only eight car- categories at the moment. This is an idea we like. Maybe we'll do it in the future and do it as a bigger thing. But uh, we'll wear tuxedos. Yes, we'll wear <laughs> for a completely. We'll have our have our audio uh, red carpet uh, like gala event here. The cats will walk down the carpet. It'll be amazing. <laughs> um, so the there's eight categories. Um, and basically, what I'm going to do is is read off what the category is, and then Paul and I will discuss who the nominees are and what we would choose okay okay so the first one that i've got here uh this one's easy because there's actually only two choices uh this is the best performance by nicholas cage in a movie with nicholas cage in it okay so we do have we, we got it got to introduce nick cage proper <laughs> what, what is that what is that what is it oh no not the beast not the beast ah! oh, my eyes never not going to be funny. No. Uh, so uh, the, so these are words we're going to call they're the invasion of the podcast words so they're the invadees. So yes. this is the Nick Cage invadee. Yeah. Uh so which performance was he better in? Uh Red Miller and Mandy or Spider-Man Noir and Into the Spider-Verse? Oh, I'm going to say Spider-Man Noir. Like Really? Yeah, cuz I mean cuz I like Spider-Man Noir. Um but there also wasn't a bit in Into the Spider-Verse where Spider-Man Noir was in his underwear just drinking vodka in <laughs> a bathroom, getting getting psyched up to do whatever he was about to do. I, th- I think his performance in Mandy is so genius that like it's, it's the movie that won't get recognized at any sort of awards, but is probably one of my favorite performances of his. So well, That's fair. Yeah. All right. So the next one here, this one's pretty cut and dry, actually. This one here is the best Marvel after credit scene. So first one is Black Panther revealing the White Wolf. Okay. Uh, Infinity War ending with uh, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Uh, and Sam Jackson saying, about to say mother. the F word. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp revealing where Scott is during Infinity War and why um, Wasp and yeah. no one else has shown up. Uh, Deadpool 2, which reveals Deadpool murdering the original Deadpool from the Wolverine film. That That's my favorite one. Like, I... <laughs> <laughs> when I finally got around seeing Deadpool 2, not because I, you know, that's the whole thing, when we, we watched it here uh, at home, I was howling during the end credit sequence. Like the, the, just because, like, they also got Hugh Jackman in for like a second for yeah. that, too. And it was great. Just perfect. Yeah. And the last one is Into oh, the Spider Verse. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> the, uh... Oh, well, you, I didn't know there was another option. Yeah. Sorry. Um, okay. So the Into the Spider Verse one, I was not expecting, and I'm not going to say what it is here. Because uh, if, if people have not seen that film in the end credit sequence, it is it is pure magic. What like just funny? I'm okay ruining the other ones, but this one we're well, like we're no, not no, it. I just, but that was not available in Blu-ray yet. So uh, that's fair. Um, but the yeah, that one I was tickled, and then I know. Like you know, like you you didn't see you left the theater, so I had to find like a bootleg video of it that someone shot with a phone <laughs> in the theater, and it was still great. Um, but yeah, the Deadpool one was amazing. The Into the Spider Verse one's funny too, but I like I 
both of them pretty much did the same thing where they take like known conventions and kind of twist them. But I was not expecting the Spider-Verse one to go where it did. Yeah. But Deadpool going back and killing Deadpool was uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, if if for no other reason than like that first Wolverine movie is so bad. Like, yep. Uh, and I'm not even a huge Deadpool fan, but even I was like, why would they do that to Deadpool in that movie? Um, yeah, the brief sequence when he was still all together going through the one like building and he's like deflecting bullets with his katanas and he's talking to yeah. to uh, Logan and he's bored while talking and deflecting bullets. That felt like Deadpool. The rest of that movie, he did not, not so feel much. right. Yeah. All righty. So I guess we'll agree that Deadpool 2 had the best after credits. <laughs> yeah, scene. I did not realize that there was a, another choice. <laughs> uh, this next one here is best monster, villain, shark, or otherwise <laughs> created with special effects. So, Alita's uh, eyes from Alita <laughs> She did not make the oh, list because okay. she, she was released this year, though. So yeah. I only chose. There was a from, trailer from last year, though. No, yeah, I guess no. that's fair. Um, so obviously, first one is James Berlin as Thanos. Okay. Uh, second one is the shark in the Meg. Uh, third one here is uh, the Raptors in Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Uh, fourth one is um, Tom Hardy as Venom, or I should say Venom being, as Tom Hardy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or lastly, the Cheddar Goblin. Which are <laughs> which of these are the uh, best uh, villain shark oh. or otherwise created by with special effects? Just because it's just the Cheddar Goblin was just a puppet, and it was like we just talked about Mandy, and it's like, and even though I understand that people are frustrated that that's the thing that's like sticks out to them in that film because it has the nothing. Director didn't, do yeah. It either. <laughs> I still enjoy the Cheddar Goblin, and knowing it's the guys who did too many cooks, yeah. I just I enjoy Cheddar Goblin, so yeah, I got to give credit to him. All right, I, I have to agree. I think Cheddar Goblin's easily gonna win that battle. Uh, this next category I'm really excited about. Uh, this is best movie we've never seen. So these are all random movies that I pick that neither <laughs> of us have seen, and we're just going to, on the pure just intuition, pick what we think is the Perfect. best one. So our choices are Robin Hood, Smallfoot, <laughs> Mortal Engines, Slender Man, or Peter Rabbit. You know, of, of the five... Um if I had to choose which of the two I'd watch, it would be either be Robin Hood or Mortal Engines. Okay. And I think I'd rather just watch Mortal Engines just because it's, it looks like a Monty Python skit gone awry <laughs> with the large cities just chasing after smaller cities. Like, it looks like something that, like, you know, that would happen. And I've heard that movie is just kind of, kind of just there. Yeah. So it's not bad or good. And I, but I've heard Robin Hood is just like batshit, like, you know, makes no sense. Okay. So, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, I Peter Rabbit, I'm sure is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't figure out what I was going to put in the last spot. It was either going to be that or Uncle Drew, which is that <laughs> basketball movie. I've, I'd probably like if it was just, if it was like on Netflix and I was like half out of it. Like, <laughs> I'd probably watch that. Um, and Slender Man. There's actually a wonderful. I shouldn't say wonderful. There's a really well done documentary on Slender Man on HBO from. Well, about well but it's about the girls real, that, yeah. that that led to them killing the other girl, right? Like, yeah. Uh, so it isn't really about. Slender Man per se. Well, it's about the perception children have of yeah. media. Okay. Um, but um, and that girl did survive. She. Oh, she, sorry. That's, but yeah. like um, until Slender Man got her later. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, my perception from the trailers of Slender Man, I'm like the the actual story is far more horrific and awful. Um, yeah. And that movie looked like it had nothing behind it. Um, 
Smallfoot just uh, that tickles me. I don't know why. It just feels like one of those churned out kids movies, right? That, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna go with you on Mortal Engines. I mean, it is a Peter Jackson joint, right? Well, I produced it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Mortal Engines is the best movie we've never seen <laughs> for for the, the yeah for sure. the year of 2018 yeah. of the five that I gave of us. the five. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's better movies that we haven't Maybe. seen. Maybe know. all of them that are listed at the Oscars. There's, there's like ten of them. Like I think that you know, yeah. Like I have not seen Roma. I heard that's supposed to be pretty good. Doesn't have doesn't have cities chasing other cities and eating them though. So I don't know. Green Book is no Mortal Engines. That's true. Uh, oh, that has Marshall Ali in it, it so does. it's probably you know. Alrighty, so this next one here is actually the only really serious category that I have on here. But this is this is what was because I, I found it interesting that your favorite movies of last year were horror films. Yeah, um, well, and into the Spider Verse, but I just I, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so, what was the best horror film of last year? Was it Hereditary, Suspiria, Halloween, A Quiet Place? Or Apostle. Now, I realize I haven't seen Suspiria, so I got to take myself out of that as far as like that contention. I know it's not going to be Halloween. Uh, probably not a quiet place. Have you gotten around to watching it? Yet? I have not. We bought it day one on Blu-ray. We've not watched it yet. Okay. So, so that that really leaves Hereditary, Suspiria, and Apostle for you. So you picked the three that I picked. On, uh, yeah, absolutely. On, on, I want to know of those three. What did you think is the best? Um, oh man, it's like who, how do you pick? Like, they're all good for their own reasons, you know. Right, so, but, but you're like, picking the best. Uh, that's that's what an award uh, is. I know. Um, uh, I well, I'm going to go with Hereditary because that was my number one pick for for there for okay. um, the the Talk Without Rhythm celebration. That movie, like Suspiria, is is really good too. And I know you've not watched it yet. And there's a lot there that works. That's just like it's very like you just got to dig in and just kind of let it just hit you in the face. You know, like it's mm-hmm. very very weird. And Apostle, it's this, that folk horror aspect. I didn't know that I liked as much as I did. And I that movie it's available on Netflix. Guys, watch Apostle. It's awesome. Uh, slow burn. But really good movie. Um, Hereditary, watching it uh, like on like noon and like a bright sunny day with <laughs> headphones on because I didn't want to you know disturb my wife while she was working from home. And the 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 bit involving the brother and sister when that happens, I had to put my hands over my face to keep from making a noise because I was that mortified and uncomfortable because I didn't want to alert the person in the room next to me that I was flipping out while watching a horror movie with my headphones on midday yeah. with like bright light. Like that's, I think that's a, that's a, the testament to a horror film it's that a haunting I'm film. watching it and it's a completely unideal situation and it's still just screwing with me, you know, mm-hmm. like, so all right. Hail so, Paymon. <laughs> Hereditary takes the best horror film. Yeah. Uh, this category here um, is uh, something that I just I'm I find fascinating. So, uh, what is the best example that people will watch any? Or I shouldn't even say example. What is the best movie that proves that people will watch any movie that gets thrown onto Netflix? So, Apostle is one of them. No, uh, the Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah. Uh, two, uh, Christmas Wish: The Royal Wedding. <laughs> Three, uh, Bird Box. Four, Mute. And number five, <laughs> Father of the Year. Oh, um, I i mean, uh, that people will watch anything. Uh, did you watch Bird Box? Yeah, I watched Bird Box. I haven't seen it. Like, okay. I, like, uh, I liked it, but like, I feel, and admittedly, like, I guess it's based on a book, and yes, I believe it was before, the, before A Quiet Place came out. But I think putting it on Netflix was smart because it got far more 
traction by being on Netflix. Had it released in theaters, I think people would have been like, I think people would have just been like, ah, oh, it's a quiet place, but with people closing Blindfold. their eyes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, whereas you know, you put it on Netflix, you got people doing the blind box or the the bird box challenge, <laughs> which is them trying to blind themselves and do things. Yeah. Um, so. What's the best, big example of people's watching stuff that's on Netflix? The 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 Christmas one that you mentioned is probably a okay. You know. I was gonna say Cloverfield Paradox because it duped a lot of people into watching. Yeah, me it. too. That was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, this one here, I left off uh, a bone of contention for you, but this isn't even really about a movie. This is what is the best snack to eat at the movies award? Oh, and I shouldn't even say snack because this is candy. They're all candy items. Uh, I left off Reese's Pieces because I knew that that would that would really like just anger I mean, if, you. If you just want me to just like just throw up in the seat beside me <laughs> in the theater. So your choices are Milk Duds, Red Vines, Sour Patch Kids, Raisinets, or Snow Caps. I mean Snow Caps if that's if that's my five options. Really? Yeah. Milk Bud Milk Duds is not the clear winner. It's just my teeth are jacked up anymore, and that that's asking for a. A sticky chocolatey thing to hang around for a while like uh, i can't it's just like it probably i'd rather i'd probably just break my teeth and throw them out of my face see my my go-tos for movies are either milk duds or um jujubes well like i like um what do they call them now they call them sweet tart ropes they're the cherry tart ropes you i've see seen them? them i have not tried they, them. they used to be called um oh what are they? They, they they're they're a wonka candy and they used to be called something else i can't remember off the top of my head now i like those okay but i'm not even really like a sweet tart guy but i like those because they're they're not as sweet, I guess. I guess they're a little tart, but you know that yeah. I could. Kazoozles. They used to call them kazoozles. I used to. Hmm. We used to have a, a, a um, blockbuster, and I'd eat those by way too many. Um, <laughs> so I, I like kazoo. I like those. They're called. I think they're called uh, cherry tart ropes now, or whatever. Paul, what happened to that Straws. box of kazoozles? They I don't fell know. Off the I'm truck. Just, I think there's all in my mouth. And <laughs> just like you know. Yeah. righty. our last ca- category here uh, is the Invasion of the Podcast Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, and these are all strictly directors who directed films that were in our uh, year of the knockoff last oh, year. I thought this was going to be for the people listening to this still. Like, it's the <laughs> Lifetime Achievement Award. Congratulations, guys. Our longest episode ever. Yeah. Um, so the first one is Joe D'Amato, who directed Ator. Second one is uh, Bruno Mattei, who directed Shocking Dark. Uh, third is Sergio Martino, who directed Hands of Steels. Uh, fourth is William Girdler, who directed Abby. Mm-hmm. And fifth is uh, Luigi Cozy, who de- directed Star Crash. Oh, you didn't give me uh, Enzo Castellari. Why? Didn't, like, ah, from 1990, The Bronx Warriors. Warriors you didn't give I, me that one. I know. I it was uh, going to be him, or it was going to be Luigi Cozy. Uh, well, I'll do William Girdler. I think because Abby was great, but you still have not seen Grizzly, so you've not known yeah. the majesty that is Grizzly. I know, so. just the the clips of him eating the marshmallow are amazing. <laughs> and that wraps up our, our invades, uh, invades for, yeah. for the first year. It was a pilot. We were just testing it out. Maybe we'll bring it back next year if, if there's demand. Yeah. By right. demand, I mean me going, hey, Paul, I got an idea. <laughs> this is be more candy and uh, film talk. So anyway, all right, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, next week, um, we're going to get into our year of the canon, the, the year of canon again. Uh, we're going to be covering 1981's Enter the Ninja. Uh, with Franco Nero and his beautiful eyes, and, uh, and the 
been dubbed by uh, uh, somebody else. Yeah. Uh, uh, I looked at that guy's name, and I, he, I guess he was known for dubbing a lot of uh, Japanese anime or something. I was uh, like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Uh, so, um, yeah, we're going to have uh, Kevin from Strange Highways, uh, in the, our Mission Impossible talk that we had previously, and our our um, Electric Boogaloo talk. He, yeah. He'll be back. This was his pick for Year of Canon, so we're going to be talking some ninjas and uh, how they enter things, and it's I don't know. It's weird, though, to think that, like, we, we'll have to figure out a way to bring Kevin back later in the year, because, like, I don't think that we can just have Kevin on in February. <laughs> like, he was on in January, and then February. Well, like, then let's then figure we go... out March and then April. <laughs> like, we'll be fine. I don't know about you, but I, I talk to him once a week at least. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's fair. You do a show with him all the time. Yeah. Uh, so, no, we'll have Kevin on. We're going to be talking ninjas. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed our, our overly long. I, you know, what, what's, what is time? What, what is time anyway, really? You know, so um, hope you enjoy our talk about Alita. If you did, if you've not watched the film, hopefully you enjoyed the other bits. Um, but, uh, you know, anyway, this was a fun talk. Uh, I have nothing. I, I'm, I'm running out of words. Yeah, I got nothing either. <laughs> All right. We will see you guys next time.
Hiroshima. 